Welcome to another episode of Ran Out of Talent. I'm your host, Joe Zare Jr., and with me is the host of the MBM podcast, a co-host of the TSR podcast, and factory driver for a ton of awesome companies, Matthew Housen. How's it going today, Matt? I'm wonderful, but I'm no factory driver. I'm a brand ambassador. Let's get. <laughs> I, I some people will question if I should even be allowed to drive RC cars. So yeah. let's not call me no driver. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I make people think I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, I've been talking to um our local team associated manager about maybe getting hooked up for next year. It's getting expensive. We talked about it a little bit before the podcast, but if I yeah. want to keep running a scale nitro, I'm gonna have to get something done so well hey you know the uh, sponsorship is a very very testy subject with some people i find and i know there's a large group of people that kind of hate me and what i do because i get sponsorships and i don't race but mm -hmm. they miss the point of why i get sponsorships i love this hobby right. and all i want to do is make sure other people are having fun doing it but that's important. You don't want discounted parts only. You want to promote the brand. I give half the stuff away that I buy. Right. That's the worst part. Like when I like I hate reselling stuff. So I'm more apt to turn around at a race and hand somebody an old motor that I you know maybe I bought a newer one. Yeah. Or got a smoking deal on a newer one. Yep. And this don't get me wrong. The other one that's sitting in my pit box is plenty awesome. Yep. But I'll see somebody struggling to know it's their motor and say here. Run that. And then at the end of the day, hey, do you, no, don't worry about it. Yeah, like, I do that all the time. I, I just want people to have fun with it. So that's kind of, and then I, I, you know, I do podcasts and, uh, you know, what's awesome about you having me on is I do want to touch on the subject. I haven't put out an MBM in almost a year. I was going to talk to you about that here in a little bit. It's on my list for sure. Okay, so the good, then then we can approach that. But yeah, there there's a big reason for that. And the fact that this hobby doesn't forget about you when you make an impact with a few people. So I've been able to maintain those relationships. And now that I'm, you know, back into it, I can still continue to do, cause I'll be honest with you between the cost of podcasting, like to keep the site up just while you haven't been doing it. Right. And the ancillary cost to do the show, I wouldn't be able to do the hobby if it weren't for those sponsorships. Yep. So I'm super grateful for that. Cause now I can do more and hopefully give back more. I like that. Yeah. Same here. You know, a lot of the older school guys like me, we don't necessarily, like, there, I see a lot of sponsored guys out there not doing anything for anybody, but mm -hmm. I'm old school, so I, we had one or two team-associated drivers here in the 90s that we saw the race where they earned their sponsorship, where where the owner of the company would walk up to the guys and ask them to be sponsored. I was at the race. I was at a race where one of our local guys got a Team Losey sponsorship and how he earned that. And then right. all of a sudden, you know, it came with the Internet. It's just something that we kind of need to grow into. Yes. It's just way different than what it used to be. It's I get it though. I get it for for an older generation that that's seen sponsorship the old way. Yeah. Why it's harder for them to accept the new way. Right, right. Like, I, I get it. I totally understand it. I'm the kind of person that I'm gonna adapt because I was kind of born in that age just before it got and I wasn't in RC as heavily, 
but social media became a big thing, you know, what was it? What's been 12 years ago kind of now? It yeah. started becoming a big thing. I think I got MySpace in 06-ish. Yeah, I was on MySpace. Yeah. I actually remember MySpace making me change my background because it actually had guns in it. Really? Yeah, wow, dude, I had a MySpace page when I was like 16, oh. which would have been like 15 actually, which would have been back in like, hole. Yeah, let's not even go that far back. Like 2000, <laughs> 2001, like, you know, back when the internet, this was back before, cell, like every kid had cell phones. Right. I right? remember so, being the first out of all my friends to have text messaging and then getting the bill for like $300. Oops. And then my friends getting bills for $300 because they had to pay for the text I sent. They double dipped. <laughs> Remember those days? Don't oh. text me. It's costing me money. What do you mean it's costing you money? Do you need? Oh, I, I used to do that because I ended up with one of the first like uh, unlimited text messages after yep. like in the evenings or something stupid like that. Right. Yeah, that's <coughs> Pardon me. That was brutal back in the day. <laughs> so, But yeah, I don't know. It's just... I get it for the older school guys. It's hard for them to embrace and want to be on Facebook and do that whole gimmick and and that. I get it. I totally understand it. But remember, you're in a we're in an RC hobby here, guys. Come on. Yeah. Remember what we're doing. Remember how far it's came. If you've embraced how far the hobby itself has come, this is another side of it. Right. You like it. You know you like it. You just don't want to be in, embedded with those computers. I get it. <laughs> I keep saying if it weren't for my hobby and how much that I enjoy interacting with people, I wouldn't even have Facebook. Right. I get rid of it. I would too. Um I I still have it for this podcast and that's both. That's it. But then I I do I use it for more because I'm on it, but like you yeah. know what I mean, it's just one of those things. It's I could live without it. I I like that my Instagram and Facebook are connected just so I can post something on one it goes on the other. Yes, that is always convenient. However, I forget about it all the time. Yeah. And usually, yeah. Uh, oops. Yeah. So, real quick. So, I know how you got into the hobby, but a lot of my listeners might not listen to TSR or MBM. So, if you could explain how you got into RC. Okay. We have to go back. I actually have to do some thinking here. The way back. Pretty machine. sure. It'd be 11 years ago. Oh, wow. Or so. Okay. The, this, this, like this past summer that just passed would have been when I actually purchased an RC. But the, the, the drug, like the addiction to it came long before that. I was an RC driver magazine subscriber for like two or three years before I bought one. Okay. Like religiously. I, I actually have the first one I bought. You do? Yeah. And I, yeah, I remember it had, um, it had an RC boat on the front of it of all freaking things. Yeah. Like a hydroplane boat. And yeah. I'm pretty sure it was nitro powered because nitro was still crazy popular back then. I'll tell you what, I've been in this hobby since the 80s. Boats are cool, don't get me wrong, but they've been trying to shove those things down our throats since the 80s at least. <laughs> it's all about the cars. So. Right? Anyway, so <laughs> I, I don't even own that one and I have a boat in my house. It's frustrating. Yeah. So, um, I remember buying it and the HPI Savage. Oh, man. You know, it was a kit, 4.6 liter, 4.6 cc big block. Like, right. Was like, oh, oh. I had to have it. Yeah. I never ended up buying one, believe it or not, because I just, I was afraid to make the jump. So, 
fast forward, you know, I've been getting the magazines for a while. And then my chum Mike from the MBM podcast goes, hey, dude, he goes, have you seen these RC car things? I'm like, bro, are you serious? (laughs) Yes. Right. So I tell him, come to my place after work. I got to show you something. So out comes the stack RC drivers and I just start throwing books at him. Oh, my God. So Mike being Mike, he goes home and gets on the Internet. He finds the cheapest RC cars he possibly can on eBay. (laughs) They're Red Cat Racing. Oh, yeah. Right. Back when when Red Cat was kind of a side business. Yeah, when it was really cheap, before it got to what it is now, which I understand it's a much better brand now because plastics are better, et cetera. Right. So not taking any shots of them this day and age. We're going back like 12 years here, guys. Right. (laughs) So I was going to get an 8-scale nitro like he did, but then I decided to be cheap, and I got the 10-scale nitro instead. So you went cheaper on the cheap stuff. Yeah, that was a bad idea. (laughs) However, you learn things, and it took me down a different road, so it works out. I got a four-wheel drive, uh, Red Cat, Nitro, Buggy. I bought the nicer one, so it had a decent engine. That was about the only thing good about it. That Nitro engine that was in it, whatever it was again, I can't remember. It was awesome. Oh, really? I had a blast. Okay. Yeah, it was an SH, but it was a decent SH for the size it was, apparently. I don't, that like That's pretty much, from my understanding, when I researched at the time, was what I was paying for. Okay. was the, the Nitro engine. And I know probably everybody's going to be like, they're junked cool it worked great yeah that's all i'm gonna say it ran so good that the first few things we did was race an eight scale nitro down my street and a 10 scale nitro down the street that's awesome. right so going to the drag racing thing that's how i get sucked back into drag racing because you get away from it and then it anyway so that gets me enthralled in this hobby like addicted to it yep. but the 10 scale is not enough i need something bigger so i ordered a monster truck that thing's super fun but then this this weird thing starts happening with electrical cars in the background. Yeah. Like yeah. this, you know what I mean? Real and Traxxas quick, comes up with the Summit. Yeah, what kind of monster truck did you get? It was another Red Cat. Okay. Nitro-powered something or other. Okay. Except it, was, it didn't explode. I waterproofed it. I ran it in the winter. Yeah. It was awesome, actually. Um, I broke some stuff on it, I'll be honest. Well, but, you're going to break <laughs> stuff on the best of the best when you're starting out. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I started seeing the Traxxas Summit, and I'm like, wow. And then Traxxas came out with a new model of it, which had uh, LiPo, like it supported LiPo batteries and stuff oh, like that. Right, right. <clears throat> because LiPos were still very new at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, LiPos so were scary I, I 10 years ago. Yes. No. Oh, my God. Like, <sighs> So anyway, I bought the, the Summit, plus I bought two Traxxas LiPos of all things. I oh. still have them to this day, and they're fine. Yeah. Lipo care, folks. Yeah. It's it's legit. If you don't overcharge things and act silly and buy quality chargers to begin with, mm-hmm. you don't burn stuff that down. I'm just saying. Right. I still have them. This, <laughs> this is like 10 years ago I bought these things because we're, we're going through the years here. Yep. So the Traxxas Summit, I get it in late early spring so there's still snow on the ground okay i fell in love with crawling it was fun okay. you could walk behind it do 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 but then of course i found out there was a local rc track and that goes back to when we had the nitros i said to mike we gotta race these things like, yep we've done everything we can We're bashing them now we gotta race them so we never quick, got out to do racing with the nitros the tracks of summit wasn't that um 
Wasn't that more of a monster truck style? Yes, it's I, it's hanging on my wall. I'm looking right at it. Okay. It's, it's like a, it's considered a tent scale, and I don't know where Traxxas pulls their scale system out of. <laughs> <laughs> but like this is like a sixth scale to most people. Right. Right. Like it's huge. I'm trying to remember correctly, and when I used to have my own racing series, there was this um, guy who raced his Traxxas Summit in um, sportsman class. And I, I see that. T- I had to tell him no more, but it's like, I'm sorry, it's too dangerous. <laughs> well, it's 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 an E-Revo. Right. That's pretty much what it is, with a big, big, big body on it and some big, big tires. Front and rear locking diffs, high speed, low speed select. Like, Does yours have the yellow SUV body on it? No, it has the green one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. something with me in green. I don't know, dude. <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> Keep. I was, uh, oh man, I just got distracted. Sorry. So continue. Sorry, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm. It, it's weird to be podcasting when I actually have energy. Mm, mm-hmm. Right, because sometimes you dread going into it. I do, but it, it's kind of. <laughs> Usually, but then when it starts happening, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Usually, the mm-hmm. podcast is the cap of my weekend. So. Yeah, and the worst part is you're gonna, you're, I'm gonna, I know the feeling. Tim and I get done sometimes, and like I gotta go to bed, and it's like I can't go to bed right now. Like I'm on an RC streak. Like I gotta do more RC stuff, which is totally the wrong thing because <laughs> usually it's Tuesday night at like you know nine thirty, and I gotta be up at four. So, but. So going back to the summit, I bought the summit and I found the local RC track that they had moved out to uh, where a lot of motocross gets ridden as well. Okay. So they had built us a track out there. And I went out a few times with just me and the kids when they were little and I ran the summit and I'm like, I need a race car. Yeah, you do. Or truck. And there were a few guys that had um, the associated like SC10s and like uh, like two wheel drive short course trucks. Okay. So, you know, I run onto the local retailer website because at the time, you know, Matt had to do everything on easy pay because that's how I afforded it. I could pay a payment, mm. get my toy, play of my toy, make the next two payments. Everyone's happy. Wife's not mad because husband spent thousands. Instead, it's only hundreds every month. <laughs> hey, it works. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm an offender. I love it. Right. So I order the SC10 RS, RTR again. Mm-hmm. Um, I get to racing with it, running around the track, and then I have cap failures which now at this stage in my rc career i would have never sent the damn esc away i would have just replaced them and back on my way and kept running (laughs) but uh i got that first year of outdoor running just racing around not real racing kind of and i was like okay i gotta do more and that's what brought me indoor because i knew about indoor carpet racing but i didn't have a car to race on it oh till then yep and this is where the learning curve <laughs> develops really quickly because I spend a lot of time online trying to research what Blinky means. Yeah. You know, uh, what's my 3300 kV reedy motor in turns? Because I'm trying to, you know, make it conform to their 13. At the fi- at the time, they ran a 13.5 Blinky or 17.5 open as their, like, stock class. Ah, okay. Right, so the 13.5 guys had to run Blinky. The 17.5 guys could put timing in that to try and compete with the 13.5 motors. Right. <clears throat> At the time, it made sense. 
Um, so of course I'm trying to make mine match the 13.5 Blinky because I'm thinking, well, 13.5 that's faster. 17, that sounds like more fun. Yeah. Plus, then if I want to turn it up for modified, it'll be even more fun. Yep. So then uh, a local racer in Michigan, ex-Canadian, still Canadian, um, reaches out and says, hey, dude, I have an ESC that can go into Blinky that'll be way better than that stock pile of junk that you have, which he was, wasn't wrong, but it was a castle, oh. uh, Mamba Max Pro. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I lived by those things for like my first two years of racing. Like, I kid you not. <laughs> But so that was the first upgrade to get to the race. We get that put in, I get racing, break a steering servo, you know, then, so we'll fast forward. I build a kit. Yep. An associated kit, SC 10, four by four factory team kit, kit. That was belt driven, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love that truck. Do you still have it? No. Bummer. I replaced it. I, I traded it for an RC 10 gold pan. Oh, man. Right? So it was kind of hard. Like, a totally legitimate trade. Do you still have the difficult. gold pan? Oh, yeah. I haven't got rid I wouldn't get rid of that. Okay. It's. I want to restore it, especially after the whole uh, Element RC thing and seeing a photo of an Enduro with a gold pan on a trail. Like, right. this is going to be perfect. Like, I'm totally going to build it. It's just going to take me forever. So stay tuned. In 10 years' time, you may <laughs> see that on the workbench. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> 10, 10 might be a little quick for you. <laughs> yeah. So during this whole process, I'm meeting local people, you know, making new friendships. Jim is one of them. Um, you know, Mike, uh, Mike Plumbo locally was one of them. Marty, the current president of the CRCR car club and a bunch of other people, just a lot of influential people that helped me grow in RC and learn lots of new stuff and, you know, show me things that they knew that I was very, very unaware of. Um, during that whole process. And it gets to the point where we finally get the ball rolling well enough locally to raise enough funds to buy carpet, to run our own indoor racing. And that's when things for me really start taking off. I start figuring things out, you know, learning what tuning does, what setups changes do. Still to this day, I have no idea what gearing does. I always ask everybody else. Yeah. Now it's to the point where I know kind of where to start. So it's like, it's not so bad. I don't have to ask for help. (laughs) Well, see, this is why I missed brushed motors. People are like, oh, brushed motors. You had to do a bunch of work. It wasn't hard. Don't ever let anybody tell you that brushed motor maintenance was hard. I could take out a motor, turn it, and rebrush it and break in the brushes in 15 minutes. But anyways, so back in the brush motor days. Mm Mm-hmm. You gear down a tooth, you're going to have faster acceleration, less top end. You gear up a tooth, you're going to have more top end, less acceleration. Now it's kind of like that still, but it's like you could gear up a tooth or two and it'll give you more acceleration and more top end. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's it's weird. It's I always say lipo batteries were the best thing for the hobby and brushless motors were the worst. Yeah, and well... I can't comment because the only brush motors I have experience with are the kind that you throw out when they stop working. Right. I've been dealing with those lately, too. (laughs) I actually was right before this. I got my son's crawler back on the road. Oh, nice. So I dropped a new motor in that, new um, steering linkage and all that stuff. And then I, he's, well, we're both left-handed, but when I started back in 1988, 
they didn't have left-handed radios. Or my dad didn't want to buy me one, so I learned how to drive right-handed. <laughs> but Joe 3, I gave him my original Airtronics M12. So now he has that, and I made it left-handed oh, for him. And So I took out the axial radio and dropped that in. So anyways, yeah. Yeah, so nice. at that carpet track, did you get into race directing? Yes, heavily. <clears throat> I, uh, you know, I've always been fortunate to 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 be a you know working full time during my entire participation in in RC. But I was always a firm believer that I can give you more by helping by my volunteer hours and things that I can help with than any dollar amount that I could give to the club. So I, that's how I always made myself available. Whatever you guys need, I'll do my best to figure it out and, you know what I mean, make it happen. Cool. So I wasn't the greatest with, like, like I'm good with computers, but when it comes to the networking side of stuff, that's where Mike really excels. Yep. So I always would drag him into anything that needed that side of things. So I learned the software. I learned how to enter racers, uh, you know, calling races. I'm a very good heat caller. I suck at calling mains. I'm a color commentator for coloring, calling mains. Like I'd be a great complimentary to somebody who really can call mains. Um, because you know, I can get in the little, little funny jabs here and there and, and, but I can't, don't ask me to to call a a main race. It's terrible. Well, no, it's, it, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. But numbers, if you want to be you, I'm, I hate to be like this, but I'm going to toot my own horn. If you want a good race director, that's going to let you know where you're quality, where you're actually running in your, if qualifying, no matter where you are on that track, I'm your race director. That's awesome. But also that's why I like lifetime for, have you ran a race on lifetime yet? Yes. Oh man. It makes all of that so easy. Yes, absolutely. The good, the good news was, is we, when we did it as a club here locally, we found like the best software at the time, which was RC scoring pro. Yep. You know what I mean? I we bought the software. So I was already pretty like well off knowing, being able to know where racers were and stuff like that. And I just, I had a good time calling the races because like I said, I was never, I didn't like financially investing in it, but I'd liked being able to, to call races and have fun. And, you know, when, when somebody had a great run, be like, yeah, that was a good one. You know, keep that up. And especially locally, cause so many people were getting so much better yeah. so quickly. Right. Right. So, uh, I, I, I did a lot of race directing for the club. Um, it, it wasn't pretty at all times. Unfortunately, things got pretty, pretty, uh, bad, but we worked through it uh, as a group. You know, it took, t- took some time, yep. uh, but we're, I think we're on the other side of that now and we're all finding the fun again. Cause, uh, you know, during that whole time I was running stuff like Tekin servos. I had a, such a hard time finding a brand of servos. And then Tim came into my life. Yeah. But when we were doing that, that indoor racing, Mike and Jim and myself would stay at Jim's place or over here. Cause you know, I'd built my work bench area at the time. And we just talk and talk for hours. And then I, I, when I was going to get my 44.3, I wanted to know as much as I could about this car. Because mm-hmm. I was about to buy a 44.2 and found out the 3 was coming out. And I was like, forget yeah. it. I'll wait for the new one. Right. So I'm waiting, waiting. You know, then I find out that Tim Tunerman, he was on um, 
the Radio Impound podcast, which that's where my first like hearing of an RC podcast. That's like really my first podcast that I ever really checked out. Right. Like I knew of the Adam Carolla podcast and stuff like that. Yep. But I'd never listened to them. So I download the show, I listen to the show, and I'm like, wow, yeah, this quality is not the greatest, but the information, I had to have it. Yeah. And I really didn't know who, J- like, I knew who Jason Rona was, but I uh-huh. wasn't, like, a J-Concept fanboy by any tra- stretch. You get what I mean? So, yeah. like, I wasn't used to his 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 quirkiness and, like, how much info that he actually knew about RC. So I couldn't appreciate it for what it was at the time. I was just like, man, this is just, this quality has got to go. I can't. And I'm like, Mike and Jim and I are way, no offense again, don't, don't anybody no, take I this as a I know. Mike, Jim and I are way more entertaining than these guys. I'm You're sorry. Right. And I know I can make it sound better. You're right. Now, I don't have the connections that Jason Rona or Gotti have. Mm-hmm. But I didn't care. I just... My focus was, I want people to enjoy the three of us talking about what we love to do, which is our seat. Right. So I order a bunch of equipment. I set everything up in the basement. And then we start recording. When uh, was the first MBM? 2014. Uh, see, I think Ran Out of Talent was the second RC podcast out there. I, yeah, because you started it like like a long time ago, didn't you? But yeah, you, good luck finding the old episodes. <laughs> so, so the the guy the guy I originally started with, you want to talk about bad sound quality? Oh yeah, we tried hanging one USB compressor mic in the middle of the room. Oh my! <laughs> and so I'm like, dude, we gotta get this stuff on iTunes. And my buddy that was running it at the time, he's like, no, we're not paying for an RSS feed. I didn't even know what that was. So Yeah, right? <laughs> all, all of them are on YouTube now. Or the old <laughs> ones are on YouTube, and they're awful. Well, the, quali- <laughs> the, the quality's awful. The podcasts were yeah. actually decent. Decent, yeah. But, yeah. Um, so what – so that's how you got started into podcasting now. I've noticed with your channel, a lot of the pod, old podcasts are gone. They're all there, but you have to go to the Podbean page to get them. Podbean. I, I had the same problem with iTunes. I can't go back past, but they're all still there. So I don't know what the deal is with that. Yeah. But I listen on Stitcher on okay. a lot of this. And so a lot of the stuff's gone, and it's like you were um, posting some non-RC podcasts on it. I had a few where they weren't overly RC, where I was kind of doing some... I Real quick, I want to know if you're even aware, because I've had this happen to where random podcasts got posted on my Stitcher feed. Really? Yeah. I don't uh, even monitor Stitcher. I know I signed up for it and put the podcast on it. <laughs> well, I'm not an Apple guy. If I right. was an Apple guy, I would... Um, I, I can't to remember the name of the app that I had when I was using Android. Yeah. It Pro- was really good. Uh, Podcast Addict, maybe? That was it. Yeah. I don't know if it's any good anymore. I've been an Apple person for a few years now. Hold on. What is this? Is this you? Uh-oh. Okay. Here we go. So you got... I got Viking Design Work. Yeah. New Year, more RC. <laughs> Let the inner fanboy flow. Yeah. The, the start of me. 
M-B-M-O-T-G. So, like, there's big ones missing, like your Randy Pike ones are missing and all that. Yeah, that's kind of weird, eh? And then July 22nd, you have episode one of Brian Regan from Brickhouse Partners LTD. Is that you? That's not me. What in the dicks? Yeah. And your picture? This is interesting. And the picture on Stitcher, it says, Holy Toledo History. It's a big ship. What the f- <laughs> <laughs> This is entertaining. Yeah. So, sorry about that. I mean, because uh, I... This is... What the hell? Well, because I must have never set this page up. Yeah. So, Stitcher screws up that way. And wow. I, I was kind of curious. So, yeah. Have I'm you ever have tried to, fix to change that. Well, Thank you for the heads on up your... on that deal. Yeah. Have you ever Leave tried to change anything on your RSS feed and people's subscriptions go away and they get pissed off at you? Nope. I've done that. I don't mess with it. I have never changed the Podbean page since I've set it up. I haven't done anything. Like, I can't believe that I have somehow 930 followers on Podbean. Yeah. See, like, that's absurd. Yeah. I'm sure our listeners don't really care, and I don't like to talk too much shop, but I don't think the Podbean subscribers and downloads are that. So I get my RSS feed through Podbean. Right. And it looks like my numbers are pretty low, but I'm like, yeah, but it also says Joe Rogan has under a million downloads and all that stuff when his podcasts get multi. We're not getting full numbers out of Podbean. That yeah, I see what you're saying. I wonder, it's just, it's the question is, what's their, what do they classify as a download or a listen? I'm not sure, but... um I signed up on Chartable. Aiden Burke from the Extra Lap RC podcast had me sign up on Chartable. Mm-hmm. And at one point, so I'm normally hovering around the two to 300 number podcast under hobbies range. Right. I jumped up to number 48 for a week. Hmm. So I have way more than what they're telling me for downloads. I see. So... Uh, that's something I still need to figure out as total numbers because you're not getting the full story out of Podbean. But I wonder how they do that because they offer Google Analytics. And I, I wonder how they could get away with doing that. I'm like, not sure. skewing the numbers. I'm not sure exactly because I thought it was weird because how far I jumped up but my numbers stayed steady where they normally are when I obviously had a spike in there somewhere. See, I feel like I get more listens than I actually do. Yeah, for sure. You know, like I like so that's like that's the way I always thought of it. That that there's no way there's this many listens. Their system must be broken. Yeah. Like there's no way. Like at some of them had like over a thousand. I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> Eleven hundred people listen to that. Oh, for like, sure. Like I listen what? to it. Don't get me wrong. I it's entertaining, but I'm like, there's no way. Like, like your Predmore episode and your Randy Pike stuff. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm sorry, like, who, like, no offense, again, to these guys, no offense, but, like, there's three or 400 people that really listen, like, come on, that yeah. system can't be right. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, it's... Like, don't get me wrong, every part of me wants it to be, like, legitimate, and then if, I never thought of maybe it's less than what I'm getting. Now, thinking of that, it's like, hey, man. It's usually more. <laughs> they don't... See, tell... I like that idea, then. <laughs> yeah. 
It's usually more is what I've been figuring out. But anyways, so you got started. In, Sorry, folks. <laughs> no, that's fine. So you got started out in the podcasting deal. Um, how many years in RC were you when you got started into the podcasting, you think? I would say I would have had to have been at least a solid five or six years of doing it. Okay. At that point. You know what I mean? Like, well, we, we, it was probably my set. I think it was my first, it was the first year really like full time racing. Like I was able to race pretty much twice a month and you know what I mean? That's when I really started progressing. Yep. But I had been doing it for four or five years prior to it. Okay. Pretty heavy. Yeah. We've all had have had those conversations in the pits being like, oh, man, this is the most entertaining thing ever. Somebody should record this. How, how many podcasts have you had to where you've recorded and you're like, man, this is a big flop. I need to reconsider on how I'm doing this. Pretty much every single one until I re-listen to them. And <laughs> if I genuinely re-laugh at something. Yep. Then I, I feel like it's good. Oh, for sure. So because I'm so like, to me, I'm so hypercritical of the per, per, like what I'm putting out that if I can make myself laugh again, mm-hmm. then it, you know what I mean. I'm sure somebody else will, will find it entertaining. But pretty much every episode until I really dude, there are episodes that I refuse to re-listen to because I'm so paranoid that I won't like them. But yeah. I just post them. <laughs> I edit them, post them. Yeah, I don't like I said before this. I don't even edit these. I just let them go up. I listen to through the to make sure that there's no funny business from the uh, the software, like a hiccup in it or uh-huh. something that I can fix or, or that kind of. But that's about it. Okay. Yeah. Or, or or sometimes Mike used to have the long he'd do the and then finishes <laughs> his his. So like there have been episodes where I've literally cut out six minutes of. <laughs> Mike thinking about what he was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> like the, I said to him one time, like, dude, you need to tighten up this thing. He goes, well, I just want to make sure people get what I'm trying to say. And it's like, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I don't know if he does it on purpose. Just to, to, I don't know, but oh yeah, but that's right. it. Like I don't, I usually try not to filter what we've said. There are, there actually is an episode, actually the Tim Tunerman episode that we recorded with him. Uh-huh. I posted it. And then he's like, hey, could you do me a favor? Go back and cut that one section out because I'm getting a ton of messages about it and I probably shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> so I had to, to, to take it down, edit the part out, and then repost it. It was, yeah. Yeah, so that's the thing. So I use Audacity. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. So what I do is I export it to my desktop, the audio, mm-hmm. and then I just delete everything. And then I post, well, I actually post it before I delete it. But I export it, put it up immediately, and then delete what's on Audacity. So I don't think I could edit anything when I'm. Oh wow! Yeah, see, so I, I'm way I more paranoid go. than that. <laughs> see, I've lost entire episodes. Like we've we've finished recording, and I hit the stop button and go to save it, mm-hmm. and it's frozen and and yeah. died. Yeah. When I was using Audacity, that's why I stopped using it. See, I've been watching it the whole time. It's like you're up in the corner and audacity. Oh yeah, mine. don't get me wrong. It plays the hi, I'm working over here, and then when you hit the stop button, it's like <laughs> Oh no. Yeah. Oh yeah. So when when we had that happen, yeah. um, I started saving the whole file and then I'd edit it 
save the edited file, okay. convert the edited file to, you know, whatever format, MP3, et cetera, et cetera, if I had to level it. Because usually I level them using a wave processing program. Yep. It doesn't uh, process MP3s. Okay. So after that would be done, then I'd have to open it back up in that program. So I'd end up at one point having three files, the, the original with everything, the edited wave file, and then the converted <laughs> wave file that got switched to an MP3. See, now you're, now you're making me paranoid because <laughs> I don't do anything. Well, but I'm like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. After all that's done, the only file that I keep is the edited. I get rid of, usually get rid of the raw file. If okay. there's something out of the raw file that I liked enough that I think's worth keeping, I'll cut the section out and mm -hmm. save it as a file of its own. I got gotcha. you. I've only mm. lost one episode, and that was, I want to say, two years ago with one of my old co-hosts. And we did it in his uh, pit trailer at a nitro race. Right. It was a drunken mess that I'm glad never got posted. <laughs> but the other guys that were on it were like, oh, dude, where'd that go? I want to, you know. And it's like, I'm glad it's lost, kind of. Yeah, sorry it's gone, but trust me, it was is better that way. Like, I've thought about going back and deleting the first 10 episodes of this on the RSS feed. Um. I don't have control over what's on YouTube, but I thought about going back because it's like, man, that was just, it's not up to my standard, that type of thing. So, yeah, you, so see, that must be it. I like, I'm very limited on what I'm on. Like I, I used Podbean because Radio Impound was on Podbean and it was super, yeah. super user friendly for me at the time. Cause I would, like I said, I'm not like this advanced computer guy at all. Right. I know how to do the stuff that I know how to do and I can pretty much learn anything I need to do, but I learn it as I need it. Not, you know what I mean? I yeah. don't contain a lot of useless info. Right. Right. So, so I, yeah. So when did you, how long after MBM did you start on the TSR podcast? Oh yeah. So we started doing the show. I think we're like, nine episodes in maybe 10 episodes in and uh, i get this tim smith guy who adds me to facebook yeah. tim smith that's a generic freaking name oh for sure right he seemed kind of oddly familiar but i wasn't really sure and then he reached out and he's like hey i'm tim you know blah 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 knows what you're doing you know if you ever want to sit down and talk rc you know i'm more than willing to and da -da -da. i'm like hmm, that's kind of cool yeah but who who the fuck is this guy <laughs> Like, that was literally what I said, sitting in my truck waiting for my right. kids to get off school that day. Right. So I'm like, uh, sure, totally. This would be cool. But uh, if you don't mind me asking, what do you do in RC? Well, then the videos start rolling in. <laughs> and the first one I watch, I'm like, I know who this guy is. He, he does have an impressive resume. Right? I'm like, whoa. So... It was really cool. You know, him and I just kind of started bantering back and forth on Facebook Messenger over the next little bit. And, you know, the Skype friendship kind of comes into play where he's one night he's going to live broadcast on via uh, I think it was Google uh, Google Hangouts. OK, because that at the time or uh, yeah, Google Hangouts, because that was the big thing at the time. Like Harley Designs was doing it heavily. You know, you'd have a couple of people in stuff like that. Gotcha. Was that so before Tim Facebook was, Live? Yes, this was, oh yeah, probably about a year before Facebook Live, okay. like really kicked in. So it was that and like YouTube, you could do some stuff through YouTube, but that was kind of difficult because it, Google 
Hangouts made it where you could get your hangout to going and then you could broadcast it on YouTube at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that was infinitely awesome. It is. So Tim was trying to get one working, I think, when he was working on uh, Crawler at the time because he was really heavily into his like whole scaling crawling thing yep. when him and I started like talking and hanging out. Okay. So I tried to get in. And like on his, like, you know, if through Skype and video and everything like that, and we just couldn't get to work and he goes, whatever. He goes, nobody's really tuning in. He goes, so piss on it. So he just called me on Skype and we literally sat there and talked for like the next three hours. Nice. And during that conversation, that's when it was like, you know, he kind of had said that he wanted to do his own podcast and, you know, he just wasn't really sure what he really needed to do it. And he didn't want to waste a ton of money buying stuff that was kind of useless. So I'm pretty sure the first couple episodes we recorded for TSR, he was using like a headset with like a boom mic, like USB kind of deal. Right. And I was recording them on my end. Ah. Yeah, because he didn't have anything. And then he kind of got sick of that quickly, ordered it. And the next thing you know, from what I thought was just going to be me doing a couple episodes with him and hanging out, you know, kind of getting them off the ground turns into this roller coaster I've been on and gets me to here and connected with so many wonderful RC companies and meeting, you know, cool people like you that start off as like a, a, a fan that I turn into listening to your stuff. Like, yeah, I, I, dude, like it's, it's a trip. <laughs> it's, the, and the, Tim is hugely responsible for a large chunk of it. I won't lie. Like, don't get me wrong. He's made me appreciate what the MBM podcast was before I really started doing stuff with him. Okay. But I'm not willing to sit here and be like, oh, I did this all on my own. Tim Smith is a huge driving force be- behind what I've been able to do in, in RC, and I'll be forever grateful and indebted to him for that. You know, there's something there that the chemistry you two have, you can't fake that you can't replicate it it's i've been looking for the same thing for this podcast right i think i found something with ryan yeah but i've listened to a few episodes they 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 aren't bad by any stretch of the imagination i've made it all the way through them without shutting shutting them off and and because i'm not a current listener to podcasts like music is my thing yep that's an impressive feat if I'm not shutting off a show start to finish, yeah. you're doing something right because I've left it on. Yeah. So you said you've been listening to music, though. What other? <laughs> so no podcasts lately. Man, I can't even imagine. Not that. a lot, no. Because I listen to podcasts for nine hours a day. So... Well, I'm getting ready to do a stint of nights. So yep. probably listening to podcasts is going to go back on the priority list because you can only listen to so much music that I like I prefer before I start getting kind of, okay, I need a change. So Right. I'm the yeah. same way. Like I listen to, I'm, I'm sure you have a wide variety of music you listen to. I Usually. Do, I do also, but it's like. Today, driving back from the grocery store, I turn on some really old Electric Six. Like, um, God, was a song? I don't remember. Whatever it was. And my wife's like, what the hell is this? I'm like, this is the type of music I listen to when you're not around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My wife is not surprised by anything she hears coming out of the speakers. <laughs> uh, country, usually, she, she kind of will give me a look of like, what has happened to you? Yeah. Well, bet um, my wife and I, yeah. Beth and I, we listen to old like '90s hip hop together usually. 
Yeah, we can. My wife and I can do that, no problem. She does not prefer very much of the newer rap music, but the more and more that it becomes mainstream, because you see them doing so many features with mainstream, like she's accepting more of it. Yeah, I'm. I'm totally. I'm guilty. I listen to modern day mumble rap. I'm listening to me. I'm sorry. I apologize. I've watched videos and had like the the descriptive text on it and i realize how stupid these lyrics are folks but i am a sucker for bass and a beat and these mother effers have it they have the bass they have the beat and unfortunately the i can't get enough of it either so i'm sorry if that makes me a bad person i i don't apologize for it i've tried um there's a couple songs i do like from like there's like one or two Post Malone songs, one or two songs from NF. Yeah, but I get that. Yeah, I I've literally tried, and this is where I realized I'm getting old because I put um I put like a Post Malone um deal on my Pandora, and it's like, oh my, I can't do any of it. I, no, hang on. Here's the thing. I'll say. You have to be careful when you use things like Pandora and even like Google Play to do these radio lists where it compiles music for you. Okay. Because I've noticed sometimes they hit home runs. Like it won't play a song I won't listen to. Mm -hmm. But there are times when I had to hit the next button so many times I'm going, okay, now you're turning this into my job. You're supposed to give me music I like. This is nothing like the song song you started with. Come on. Have you ever hit? (laughs) Thumbs down on a. I don't know if you use Pandora or not, but I've hit thumbs they down. They have it on Google Play. I hit it all the time. Yep. I hit thumbs down so many times to where it asks me, Are you sure you like this kind of music? <laughs> I haven't <laughs> had that happen. No. <laughs> it's been a long like, time. But... I have some taste. Listen, I won't allow that. Um, you know, the catch, catch Me Outside Girl? Oh, yeah. Whatever the hell she goes by, uh, I, it's I something bad, something or other. Anyway, yeah. that any her music doesn't even come up on my Google Play anymore in a radio list. That somebody beside me can start the same radio and get like four of her songs. Because any time, down, yep. nope. I, I tried listening to one of her songs when um, <laughs> one of my favorite comedians played a pedophile in one of her videos. <laughs> Theo Vaughn. Oh, my God. Hey, do you know what Theo Vaughn looks like? No. You should pull him up real quick. He was on, like, okay. The Real World or something like that in the early 2000s. And then um, he became a legit comedian. He's right up there with, like, Joey Diaz, Joe Rogan, all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, he played a pedophile in one of her videos. So it's like, yeah, I'll try listening to that song, and I couldn't do it at all. I don't think I could have done that. <laughs> I couldn't. It was bad. But, yeah. Anyways, man. I love the mullet. He really likes the mullet him, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He loves it. There's there's more than one photo of him with a with rocking a mullet. So this no, that's is definitely his, this dude's style. That's his haircut. He gets it done <laughs> like that. Yeah. That's just Theo. <laughs> Business up front, party in the back. For sure. He's a weird dude, man. Yeah, okay, well, hey, I can just based on those Google images, I I can seize it. Yeah. Oh right, my goodness. Right. So, you know, we've been kind of jumping around a little bit here. Yeah, I'm sorry, ADHD. No, Everybody's fine. gonna have to deal with it. That's fine. Um, so, what's the RC scene 
in your area now? I know you guys lost the track, but I know you got another one too. Yeah, so we went through a very rocky period with the local club where we no longer had an indoor facility. Um, the equipment changed hands a few times. Things were very, very tense. Yeah. Um, but it also sparked rebirth of the club at the same time. Okay. Um, so the president of the club, Marty, uh, Sharon, approached the city that we live at in, in Sault Ste. Marie about trying to find an outdoor location to give us somewhere to set up. We'd only run electric vehicles, no nitro in order to keep the noise down, right. you know, trying to kind of keep neighbors happy. So they came up with a list of potential places and basically was what was suggested was a tennis court. That's literally two minute walk down the street for me. And everybody nice. gives me crap because I live so close that I still drive my truck over there. But I also look at them and be like, yeah, I'm going to carry 10 pounds in RC crap down the road with me. Get out of here. Yeah. So, it is kind of ridiculous when you think about it. I rode over there once and put everything in my backpack. It was not a good idea. Just saying. I used to do that when I was a kid. I had a track about three, four miles away from me. Yeah, I but used... as a kid, we don't have $500 radios, and so we're not, you it know, wasn't... we don't have a nice case that they go in. And... It wasn't 500 bucks. so back in those days, I had one of the original digital radios as an Airtronics 3P. Hold on, I still got it. Hold on one second. Oh, God. Okay, here we go. He's got racks upon racks of RC like I do, so I don't feel so bad. See oh, that? Else. Look at Hold you go. That's second. fancy. Get my headphones back on. Okay. This is the first digital radio that they has ever been made. That is real fancy looking. Yeah, it, three chan three model selection. Oh man, <laughs> and I know I'm being a, I'm being a smartass about it, but that was a lot. Well, it's better than having a different radio for every vehicle. But right. I, I used to put that in a backpack. I put like five or six charge batteries in a backpack and then an RC car. And I rode. The good news is they weren't, uh, you know, potential uh, fire hazards back then like they are nowadays. Yeah, different days with the NIMS. Yeah. And I had it. This was before I was hardwiring the batteries. Okay, so you actually had to do the whole. Plug in. <laughs> it was no big deal. I know. Yeah, but still. I, I, I used to bike to a track, and man, on a hot summer day, I remember how brutal it was. But I was 12. is the only way to the track. Yeah, but as a grown man, I'm, I'm a sucker for punishment. I still go out there when it's hot, and there's really no business for a guy my size or my age that's, you know, this far out of shape as I am yeah. being outdoors in that heat. But I, I put myself through it. You're not out of shape as out of shape as I mean, you've been going to the gym and you've cleaned up your diet quite a bit. Tried to. I've tried to. Yeah. It's made a difference. I said that to my a buddy of mine the other day. I'm like, I don't know. Or actually it was my wife. Never mind. Yeah. Because I've been saying it to a lot of people lately. I don't know, honestly, what I would do if I was still that size right now. I don't like I, like I know the mobility issues I have at the lighter weight that yeah. I'm at. Never mind how what it. Get out of here. When you make a noise just trying to get up, where it's like, yeah. oh, this is work. Yeah. Uh, 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 hang on. Somebody, I, my kids, it's usually come help dad up. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I was at my heaviest size, 225 pounds, but I'm a very narrow build. Right. So that was, I, I look like I was 300. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I get it. And yeah, that was brutal. Back in the day, I don't think I could do that again. I had like 
diabetic ulcers on my shins and all that crap too. Oh yeah, that'd be miserable. I'm glad that yeah. I tell you. So are you still doing but the yeah. keto or are you keto ish? Um right now we're doing full keto. Okay. Man, that's but usually tough. usually it's keto ish. And when I'm doing keto ish, I just try to take it easy on the healthy fats and mm-hmm. you know, I just try and kinda eat balanced. Yeah. Which is way better than my old diet. So it's it's one of those things where, you know, everybody's like, Oh no, he's on keto and it's like Okay, I get it. It's fun to tease, but at the same time, you understand, like, I actually want to live till I'm, like, 85, 90, yeah. and I'm not an idiot and realize that the changes that I make in my 30s affect how far I get. Oh, for sure. Um, so sue me. <laughs> I like living. Bad idea? I don't know. I actually just finished a Dolce diet today. Oh, I've t- heard about that. 12-week deal. And it basically should be, hey... Stupid. Eat lean protein and vegetables, you moron. That's what it should be called. Because that's what it was, but it made it such a huge difference. Uh, I was eating, before this diet, I was eating healthier, but I wasn't eating vegetables. Ah. And that was screwing me up. So this, uh, getting back to it, sorry. This tennis court court track. So how many races? The city says to us, you can have this... This tennis court. And that's when I find out that most of my neighbors are terrible, terrible people. Really? Like, there were some people, what about shift workers? I'm like, you bought a house across the street from a fucking park. Yeah. Are you serious? You're worried about a couple of electric cars that when you're 20 feet away, you can't even hear? Yeah. Really? That, that's not cool. Sorry. That, that was my, like, I, of course, I couldn't say that. But that's what I wanted to say to some of my, like, are you guys serious? The, I've lived in the neighborhood long enough at the time. It was like over five years we'd been living here. Okay. We've had the track now for two. Yep. But like I watched like maybe four or five people play tennis on it. We have a tennis court that's literally a five minute drive away from this one. Yeah. A 10 minute walk. Okay. That's a thousand times better. Ah. Thousand. It's not all cracked asphalt. You know, the, the courts maintain better. The, the, it's more private, like, because mm-hmm. there's actually, like, uh, shrubs that have grown all around it and stuff like that. Okay. So, to me, I get it. I mean, some people, well, that's where I take my kid to learn to ride her bike. Oh, we don't have a hub trail system that's, you know, all nicely paved and has plenty of room for that. No, you got to do it on a tennis court. Remember, you're, you're trying to tell me that we can't have it to play with our RC cars and it should be left as a tennis court, then why does the fact that you learn to ride your kid's bike... No. <laughs> Stick to the principle of it. It's supposed to be a tennis court. Either it's a tennis court or an RC track. It's none of these things in between. And I'm sorry, like, people are like, oh, you don't have to be that... St-. But that's the truth of it. it you're, at, you're arguing that it's used as a tennis court and that which shouldn't be given to an RC club to use to play with their toy cars. Right, right. But but two thirds of the use that people were arguing about was not tennis. Yeah, one of the tracks I race at. Yeah, one of the tracks I we race. We got at. it. We got the track, obviously. Yeah, but, you, got you know, the it was track. one of those. Like, I can't believe neighbors are like that. Like, no. these are people that live in my neighborhood. Dude, people are assholes. But the best part is when we go and race now, Joe. Yeah. People will drive by slowly in their cars, put their hands out, give us a big thumbs up, honk their horns, because they see we're having a good time. So I love that. Right. So Because that shows the neighborhood, oh, you didn't want us here, but <laughs> yeah. we're having a good time. 
And you probably keep it nice and clean and picked up. Yep. And... Absolutely, because it's not hard to do, especially no. we have such a small knit group now that that does it exclusively. It's not hard. Right. So well, so you got that rolling, and it sounds like it's a little bit of a hassle. How often do you race out there? We don't necessarily, quote-unquote, race. We have club nights, which is, you know, we try and get everybody that actively participates and we just kind of do like five mat five lap like one-off races no timing systems okay like we go we go like we have the on-road cars out there so a couple of us that have them will have like a couple of turns racing the on-road cars um i'm the kind of dork that you know likes to go over the jump still with my on-road car and yeah. as long as you time it right it works out beautifully <sighs> um yeah, I know it is. Trust me, it's cringeworthy, Joe. It is cringeworthy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, man, I've done it smoothly enough that it actually did not cost me time in one race, which okay. was actually a shock. But okay, yeah. What? But that's all we do over there. We just have a good time. Okay, so um, how well does your gone bananas work? They work great if you uh, make sure they stay soft. Um, Rick has given me a, a different compound that works way better and doesn't get as hard, but I find with his carpet compound that I, I usually use, and that's what I usually start my spring with is the carp, the, my old winter carpet tires. Right. So they're usually good for like the first two or three times out, but then I need to sauce them pretty aggressively with SXT and leave them in a bag overnight okay. to actually get them to be soft enough to work again. And then it just, it turns into a battle. Rubber tires are way better on the, this asphalt. Yep. Then foam tires are. Okay. And that's hard for me. I try to find foam for everything. Well, the so we used to run foam tires on asphalt, but the asphalt needed treating like um, a VHT or sugar yeah, water. Yeah, see, we didn't do anything like that. I've wanted to spray sugar water down. It, it It's <laughs> not a bad thing. It goes away with the first rain. I know, I know. I've, I, well, there has been some discussion of doing it. It would be like, it would literally like be carpet racing outdoors at that point, which would be awesome. So, oh, it is. I used to <laughs> race a scale on road before I had kids and could afford it. <laughs> um, cause there's a lot of traveling. That was the biggest thing. All the, yeah. we did eight races a year at six of them were out of town. <sighs> so, I mean like five to six hours away every one yeah that's a, that's a, that's a commitment it, it it's so worth it if you were to try it you'd be like oh yeah i'm gonna throw away the rest of my life to race these <laughs> <laughs> it, it's one of those type of things yeah for sure and it was always a debate whether we should do sugar water or vht but either way the grip I mean, at the end of the weekend, are you traction rolling on foam tires? It's insane. That is awesome. Yeah, I shouldn't say that, but it is. It is awesome. It to me, that's half the battle. Figuring out how to get around those corners that fast without traction rolling, without compromising speed for it. it mm -hmm. All we did, I think, all I did was I had my setup. I might have. What I stiffen or soften the I did something with the sway bars because it's a bladed sway bar. Okay. And, and you turn them to get them stiffer or lighter. It, it's it's a weird. Oh system. yeah. It's a weird system. I did something with the sway bars and I just turned on my dual rate on the radio and that usually worked well. 
Yeah, that's my first place I go to is turning down the dual rate. And then if it's still happening really badly, obviously, I just put more camber in it. Well, it depends on what it's doing. <laughs> See, there, there's a couple different types of traction rolls. So if it's, you can tell you're turning in too hard and it violently hits, then you turn down your dual rate. But let's say you get it up on two wheels and you bicycle a little bit. That's where you need a setup change. Uh, like I said, dual rates first thing. If that still don't <laughs> help, I go to camera. I, I'm a method. I'm a man of very few methods when it comes to racing, and I just need it to work. I don't care, dude. I've worn out some foams real, real funny, and most people go, "Why are your foams so funny <laughs> weird?" It's like, don't don't look at my foam tires and how they're worn. Don't worry about it. It works. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Hey, I've let I've let really fast racers drive my car, and they yeah. turn around and go to me. How did you not beat me? Yeah. And then I look at him and be like, <laughs> I'm not a very good driver. Or we like we we know this. Why are yeah. you even? At, that's a rhetorical question. I wasn't supposed to answer. Okay, I get it. See you later. <laughs> yeah, usually is how it goes. So, yeah. So you're doing that in the summertime. What are you going to be doing this winter for racing? Are you going to be going to Michigan? Yes. Pretty much my entire winter is going to be spent in Michigan racing RC cars. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of time uh, before Christmas where I won't race, but I'm doing a whole bunch right at the beginning of November. Okay. Uh, I got a race coming up next weekend, which is the first indoor one. So that'll be entertaining with all the new associated cars. That's going to be terrible. Carpet racing. Yeah, that's pretty much my life is indoor carpet racing. It's usually a CRC carpet, whether it's newer stuff, older stuff. Okay. We use uh, the Gone Banana Racing Skins foam tires now. And um, that's what I'm doing mostly this winter. See, that's the thing. It's frustrating. We've had a couple carpet tracks in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And they will not allow, allow foam tires. Really? Oh, it's it sucks because I'm always like, hey, let's well, do it. Well, okay, so here's the problem. I understand from one side of it. I do. Just availability. But that's part of it, I get. But at the same time, I say blow that out your, you know what, because yeah. if you guys seriously want to run them as a track, reach out to Rick, and Rick will make sure that he sends enough for every racer to have a set of foam tires. Right. You just got to get everybody on board with it. The under, What I understand is there are some guys, some racers, that they... Remember what I said at the beginning of the show? I love to do this hobby yep. there are some people that live for this hobby which means they need to win in order to be happy and i get it i know I, a few listen, of those people i'm not i'm not discriminating against those folks uh -huh. i get it right some people have more of a drive and they want to win so then the, the problem turns into you're going to have guys that buy foam tires that turn them down so they're smaller they're faster and then the guys that don't do that are gonna be like well he's faster because he does just go out there and race the car the way it is i don't care where uh -huh. i finish and that's, I think, why I enjoy it so much more. I'm just out there. Right. The race that I'm in is the most important race of my life. Yep. If I'm up there laughing and other people are laughing, then that was a great race. If I come down off the stand and people are miserable, and th it's kind of like, oh, dude, yeah. have fun. So usually, you know what I'm saying? So for me, it's way different. But I get why they don't want to necessarily uh, go to that. Now, the other turn of that is, is that I don't know who stocks or supplies the the, the tires to begin with, they might be worried about, you know, losing business in that sense. Mm -hmm. I know rubber tires on, on carpet wear faster, even the pin style so ones. Fast. But I don't understand that. Why are we running pin style tires and carpet? I get it on turf, yeah. but I don't understand it on carpet. Um, 
Like I we, feel like it tears the carpet up. I don't know. There's a big carpet race that's happening in Minnesota in a couple weeks. Right. It's about 30 miles away from me, and I can't do it. It's my son's birthday, and he does not want to race. Mm. So it's a, like Mayfield's coming, all that crap. Right, right. Which is actually surprising. Not many of those guys are in Vegas right now. I, uh, it's Vegas isn't the same thing anymore. 702 know, Raceways, kinda... a fantastic Fantastic track. facility. Oh, my goodness. But it's not the same as racing in a casino. No. It's not. You're right. And I have a uh, one of my good friends that lives in Minnesota. Congrats to John Weida. He won the IIC, the stock class. Oh, nice. But you know what? I didn't even know it was happening. <laughs> All of a sudden, I see pictures of him in Vegas on the Hobby Wing page, and it's, oh, they're in Vegas. Okay. Usually, it's yeah. a big deal. It wasn't a big mm-hmm. deal this year. No, I don't know what it is because, like, I knew it was happening because it's a race that I want to go to. Yep. It's like carpet's my jam. Now, I know they don't allow foam tires there, but eh, whatever, you know. But, yeah. Anyways. I'm, it... I'm going to I'm gonna go there with a, a, a satchel full of foam tires, and yeah. I'm going to beg and plead with Scotty to let me and a few other guys throw them on and just, come, come on, you know you want to see what they look like. Yeah. <laughs> so Humor me for, like, ten minutes, and then I'll put them away, and you can scold me for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're awesome, but like you know, I kind of get the big race coming up. It's a J-Con race, so they're only allowing certain J-Con tires. It makes sense, and and that's the other side of it. So I get it that you know these big manufacturers like J-Concepts, and a few of them are making current carpet tires, and you know they have money and putting stuff behind it. So it's one of those things where it's a it's it is very localized. I've realized that some places love foam tires and other places you got to remember joe up here for the longest time it was rubber tires only allowed on our carpet in canada but in the u.s we're using foam oh that's weird right it was difficult it was expensive because to be fast in the u.s you had to have foam and then to be fast here in ontario in canada you had to have you know pretty much a new set of rubber tires that were half broken in what kind of tires did you use in canada for... Uh, I used to use all AKA products. That, yep, there you go. Yeah. See, I, I've been using, um on the AstroTurf, I've been using Schumacher. Yeah. And there's certain tires, like there's a new Proline tire that when the weather's right, it's way faster than the, we use, I use mini pin ones. Mm-hmm. But that weather has to be a certain way for that tire to be so much faster than the mini pin. The mini pin one on the Astro track I always go to works every single time I put it on the track. And I get like two race days out of a set of rubber. Yeah. And then I recycle the foam and the rims and all that and just, that's okay. But uh, it's, I would like uh, Trace on carpet I'd like to race foam but it's not allowed it's it's from my understanding the guys in Iowa um at the island speedway mm-hmm. track the regular racers I th- think are getting like two weeks three weeks of regular racing if not more that's pretty out good. of their phones that's pretty good that's uh, that's all they use on their carpet track is foam yeah that's good um but they spe- got a huge new facility going in dude 
really? Dude, they're going to have a, a indoor carpet track, like oval track. Yep. With, I believe, I think they're going to do both on that one, oval and on-road. Then they have the carpet off-road track. They have dirt oval, I think. Yeah. I might be getting this all wrong, but like I know they're putting in a dirt oval, that, like all at one place. It's going to be ridiculous. I want to say that's only like four hours for me. I'm going to be going to whatever they got going on, hopefully. I've already had a discussion with the wife, and I said, you know, when they go to have their big indoor like carpet race, you know, I'm sure Rick and the guys from Wisconsin are going to end up going, yep. so I'm going to have to figure out how to drag my butt all the way down there again. Yeah. An amazing place. Like, their old place was so incredible, and they did so much with the small space that they had. I can't wait to see what they've been able to do with the bigger space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it should be uh, super exciting. I can't wait to see that. For sure. It's so, yeah. I, I'm kind of curious. I, I saw something about that. I always see there's so much going on in Iowa right now. <laughs> Iowa, the crappiest state to have you ever driven Apparently through? not. Apparently it's the greatest state in the world if you're in RC other than California. Oh, I, I think so. Cause no, <laughs> right? Like, there's the, I want to say, RC compound or something like that. It's a beautiful clay track. It's awesome. Really? Yeah. And that's not far either. Jeez. But driving through Iowa is just horrible. I, I don't dri- remember it, if that helps <laughs> I I drive through there all the time for on my way to Omaha or whatever. So. Right. All right. Let's see here. What else? Sorry, I'm looking at my notes here. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Did you get the no prep drag going in your area yet? I've had some interest. It looks like I've have enough guys next year to pull it off, and then and of course with being fortunate enough to be a brand ambassador with Associated now. Um, I'm hoping to be able to get a couple of, you know, the uh, DB10 yep. trucks built. Right. Um, so that way next year we can have a couple guys that can come out and try this out. I, I think it's a matter of getting a few people to try the class out before it really, really takes off. So, um, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be pretty good. Like the re- legit like drag racing, like spec car like I have. Mm-hmm. Um, the good news is the, the parking lot that we use is still plenty good for it. So okay. there'll be opportunity to run that. But I just want to try and get more people out to do the drag racing stuff. I, I think it would always have to stay to being like this, you know, no prep-ish kind of style. But these new trucks that Associated is like kind of easily converting out of those DB10s, dude, mm-hmm. That. That is a anywhere, anytime drag race. That's I a, love it. See, that's if I were to get into drag racing, and same with my normal co-host Ryan, we, we we've talked about it, and it's like if we were to do it, we got to be able just to walk right out our front doors, talk to our neighbors and friends, and just do it like right on our street. Yes. And these trucks will do it. Yes. You could pretty much have the worst street in the world. Like, listen, my street I live on is yeah. horse. Yep. Patoot. Like, it sucks. But I'm going to tell you right now, it would make for one hell of an interesting track race <laughs> to do these trucks going down it oh, because sure. it's bumpy. It's got little mini jumps built in and everywhere. And I get it. You know, it kind of takes away from this whole, but it would be fun. You have suspension. We could to go do two it. streets over. Well, that's what I mean. You have a suspension. We can do two streets over. That's perfectly flat, too, if you really want to see how fast they go. Right, right. That's why I love these trucks. You can literally race anywhere, anytime, 
and it doesn't have to be fancy. It's a, it's a short course truck. You can, you can buy bodies that'll fit over a standard short course truck and make it look like a truck. So you don't need to narrow it. You don't need right. to do any. And that's, I think people get obsessed with, Oh, I have no, just build the truck and have fun with it. I have a couple of old vintage bodies. One's a ball link. And I think one's a Parma in their gigantic pan car bodies are for like, one's like a 58 <laughs> Corvette and the other is a 66 Corvette. For yeah. sure, that would fit on a on a short course truck. That's what I mean. Also, the detail on those back in the day were awesome, and I don't yes. think I don't think they were licensed. No, I know the Parma ones weren't at all. No, I got a few Parma ones. It's like, yeah, I don't think you pulled the licensing for that. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> but no, I, I think it's definitely. Um, it's definitely going to be fun. That is one of the projects that I'm going to have going on throughout this winter. I'm hoping, uh, of course, I can't. I'm building myself an SC 6.1 into a drag okay. truck because, you know. So do you have your B6.1 built yet? I Okay, so. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and listen, I, I had to do things very savvily. Because okay? yep. the reality is, is this this is this whole project's funded by my Visa card, and it gets stressed out when Matt decides to have these moments. Yep. So I re- alleviated some stress off of my Visa sponsorship this year. Okay. And um, I traded the four wheel drive Yokomo car for a pretty much uh, pristine B six point one with a few uh, upgrades on it. Okay. I've good. actually yet to put the car in my hands because I still have the SF that has to go to the new owner. Yep. Um, so that car I will have this coming weekend when I go racing. I have a T6.1 and a B6.4, which funny enough, it's the B6.4 that I won two years ago through the race in Iowa. It has now come for full circle back into my possession. So, it has a few more upgrades, um, but yeah. Um, I, I always have to pimp this when I hear B64. Yep. Have you ever thought about converting that into a mini truggy? I knew you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> Listen, there is a B74 in the very near future, like January, February. Right. So it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. You know, since you have a T6.1, you have a lot of the parts. Team Velocity sells the conversion of just parts you need if you already have the other parts to do it oh yeah for like a hundred bucks so mm-hmm. like like the rear arms yeah, on... i remember hearing that on one of the episodes you you guys were suggesting like finding a b64 like slider is like your best bet if you really want to build one for cheap i got senior one my dad my my dad's all about it, but he didn't want to spend. This one, the... see, this one though is a rental ride at the moment. I might have okay. to work out a deal of purchasing it then. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure that could happen. Do Damn, I don't need another car, but I'm you gonna do. probably. You do. There's never enough. You don't have to work on them all at one time. All I got to do is just bring it out once. Everybody go, what is that? Have are are they racing them in Michigan yet? No. Oh, they race these minis. Oh, um, like their LC racing is one of the big ones that, that like they're super mini. Yeah. Like 18th scale. Yep. That's I, I've done that stuff when there's no other racing around. Yeah. There is, they're super popular. Like dude at, at Casey's one end of the year race, there is sometimes like 25 of these little friggin' things. Damn. 
and they're scary. You put like nine of those things mm-hmm. out on a track meant for 10 scale cars that, yep. you know, sometimes struggle. Yeah. Oh, you want to talk about full send. These guys have like, I'm, I don't know how they don't break. Yeah. Like I just see carnage when they go tumbling. That's nuts. Um, yeah. I, when we raced them, we raced, we had two different associated at their RC 18s. And, um, with the on-road car, the only hop-up that was really allowed was a Exotech body. You had to run the stock rubber tires, mm-hmm. a crappy five-cell NIM, and the stock associated motor. That produced such awesome racing. Same with the off-road, too. The off-road side, you could use the RC18B, but you could only use... There, you, they opened up the tires with that a little bit, but it was still the mm-hmm. same stock motor and five-cell NIM battery. If you do it that way, but you have to have a small track to make them, like, fun. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. You you should, um. so I don't know if it'd be the same with the foam tires. Because everybody doing carpet or AstroTurf with the B6.1, I tell them to start out with um, the very stock setup, mm-hmm. except you um, put a brass bulkhead in the front. That's yeah, what... I don't. I don't know. See, here's the beauty part. I don't have to figure out setups. Okay. Because I got a good group of guys that I race with. One of which uh, is uh, my buddy Chris, who go, also we call Norm. Yep. He's been my, I call it, I say it parts by normie. Yeah. Because it always seems to be norm. It was, it was a bit of, a bit of a joke because I was calling him normie Daniels for a while. Like, yeah. you know, stormy Daniels yeah, being yeah. a bit of, right. So then I started saying parts by normie. So, um, <laughs> cause he's always got parts. It's like, norm, do you have this? Yeah, I have that part. Norm, do you have, um, yeah, it's on this car though. We'll have to take it off this car. Like that's what he did. So I, that's, okay. he built my T6.1 for me put the setup in and everything like that. So the B61 will have the same setup that he's already worked out on his. I know I believe the the Horn boys uh from Associated the yep. Alan. from Factory Tracks. Yeah. The his his sons I'm pretty sure built his B6.1 for him last year okay. because Norm just didn't have time and he was a second faster just moving his electronics into the B6.1. Yeah. Right? So I'm not questioning whatever setup he says, put this on your car, because I'm sure it'll be fast. And Norm drives like I do, so that's a big thing, is your driving style. So Everybody asks me for setups all the time. It's like, well, if you drive like I do with all, all like, you know, reckless abandon, then this setup's probably pretty good for you. Right. <laughs> so I went, last year, I was running at the AstroTurf track we run at. Mm-hmm. I was running a Yokomo CAL2. Yep. And I could not bust out of the B main. Same group of guys. I get a B6.1. And I'm competing for wins. Just because the B, the Yokomo could do the lap times. Mm-hmm. It was just so hard to drive in comparison. Associated's just easy. That should be their slogan. Not 30-time <laughs> world champion. They should just put on their box. It's easy. It's easy to drive. Yeah, everything. Easy to build, easy to drive, easy to maintain. 
for the most part. They weren't always like that. Remember, we started this conversation off talking about the SC10 4x4. That was, yeah. Belt drive. That was Hey, man, maybe because I haven't done it in a while, it'll probably take me like 25 minutes, but there was a time when I could, within 10 to 15 minutes, take a diff out of it, service it, and put it back together and have it back ready to race. With the B6.1... You're at I know it's so friggin' easy. Five screws, you're at the diff. I know. That's so That's nice. wrong. It's so nice. I love it. <laughs> it's so wrong. It it's the best. So let's see. I didn't like that diff. Let me try this one. Yeah. So you're gonna be racing a bunch of different classes this winter, it sounds like though. Just the three. It'll be stock buggy, two wheel drive, stock four wheel drive, and then stadium truck. Yeah, I wish we could get stadium truck going around here. We've tried, but mini it truck... does this here up and down, up and down, yep. up and down. Mini truggy was a great compromise. Yeah, so, eh? people are liking that class around here, but I hear it's slowing down everywhere else, which is disappointing. Um, so what made you decide to become a brand ambassador for Team Associated? Because you're already, are you still doing the Gropner gig? Well, yeah, like I don't have no official deal with Groffner, but it's what I run. And I'm I'm the if I believe in it enough and, and have enough confidence in it, I put it out there with everything. That's just so whether the company wants me or not, that's yeah. well, whatever. Well, it doesn't matter to me. Tough on them if they don't want But you. that's how it started for me. Like even when I first started the podcast and had no sponsorships, I still put up everything that I ran. Oh yeah. Right? Like it's just the way I the way I, I always see it. But the whole so I originally I went to Yokomo cars because I was a whole series behind. Like I was still running the B5M, T5M series, yep. SC five M. Right. And the six point one had just come out. Okay. Like or, or no, the six had been out for a year. Yep. That's how like right. So I was the Cal two had been out and I had a DTM. You know, the newest four wheel drive I had was the YZ four SF, but that worked out because when I was switching it was the newest wheeler that come out by Yokomo. That's okay. the only reason why it was new. Yep. Um, but you know, my four, 4.3 was a series back. The six, four was out. So I made the switch. I settled a bit going to DTM versus waiting. I could have got into like a Cal two yeah, or DTM two, whatever, but I wanted something different because everybody was running associated and it just felt like it was just whatever, you know, it was about how many dollars you spent on your motor over anything. Cause so I went with something different. I knew I was going to probably be slower. I was going to struggle, but it right. made me learn more. So I switched to them and I was just kind of getting to the point where it was like, Hey, it's time for new cars. Do I want to get more Yokomo cars? I wasn't, I can't say that the community isn't supportive in Yokomo cause they certainly are, but the local, there wasn't very many local guys. There's only like three of us. Okay. So, so parts availability was always a struggle, um, and I am a parts breaker. I break parts all the time. For sure. So I'd been leaning towards going back to Associated. I always, and you guys, anybody that's listening to the MBM podcast, yourself, Joe, you know this. Yep. I love Associated. They're mm-hmm. my first love of RC. They made me love racing, and you know, I got to know a lot of Associated people, and they've always been a very welcoming uh, company. You know what I mean? I've never felt like pushed out by them or, or, or ignored when I do ask questions, stuff like that. And maybe it's just because they're a little better at their social media game than some other place. I don't know. But that was the vibe that I got. Okay. I was going to go back to Associated Cars. I got talking to somebody that's over there, you know, good old John Schultz um, and his son, Jonathan. And, you know, this opportunity was presented to me and I said, well, I'm going back to Associated Cars anyway. 
why not make this even bigger? Yeah, you know, sure. why not now when I go to races, there's even something more that I can offer. So if I do break out and we don't have parts, I can go offer support to other associated guys because there's dozens of them at races. No offense to my my guys, you know, Gabriel and, and John Mead that, that run Yokomo cars. It's not that I didn't mind supporting them, but there's only two guys. Right. So I feel like I'm not. <laughs> so, um, but I don't know, man. I was really shocked to even be offered it because I hadn't been doing a whole lot in RC. You know, I've been always meaning to kind of gear back up and get running again. And uh, that that's, brings us to this. Yeah. Everything gets finalized and done. New cars start showing up and, well, winter racing's here. Yeah. Sorry, my wife just came in. She just got back home. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised mine hasn't come down and said, hey, you know, aren't you supposed to nap before we go for dinner? Right. Yeah, I'm going to the gym <laughs> in about an hour. Going to get my butt kicked for a while. Good luck with that. Oh, it's fun. So we started doing... um. Full MMA sparring. Oh boy! Yeah, and I've learned that that's a whole different thing because I—that's nor- a whole workout in itself. <laughs> well, I normally do either grappling, jujitsu, right. that type of stuff, or I do kickboxing. But yeah. then you mix them. <laughs> so yeah. Oh wait, we're going this way. She. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, going back to the associated deal. I've always been an associated fan, mm-hmm. but with their whole five series, not just with off-road, but with on-road, it just wasn't quite it. And their ace scale back before they came out with their new stuff, it was right. not it. No, absolutely not. I used to complain about that forever. Like, when are we, when are we going to see some new eight scale offerings? And then, of course, yep. I leave, and that's when the RCB three. Yep. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, exactly. That's how that happens. But it's like, so the T T four series and the B four series and the B forty four series were so successful. Yes, and they were all so good. And then, so I get a B five M right when it comes out. And it was always some just, struggles there. It was always just a little off, no matter which way I went with it. Mm-hmm. And then I sold it to my buddy who I saw yesterday, who's still running a B5M. He goes, your car was always a little off. But he goes, I bought this factory light, and it's awesome. My son's driving a factory light B5M right now, too. And that car is pretty good. I just think the original batches weren't great. They weren't. The ball cups were terrible on yep. them. You know, no matter the amount of pinching you did on them to free them up, they would still somehow manage to stick a little. Yeah. Like it, there were there were a lot of challenges that made my initial like start into two wheel drive buggy because I started with like a, a Kyosho RB five. Yeah. World. That was a good edition. Car. I think it was it was a great little car, but then I went into a B five M mid motor. Yeah. It was sticking ball cut that. <sighs> and, and you're at the point where you need the mid motor when it came yes. out. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Because that was definitely a huge uh, advantage. Yeah, for sure. It's. It, yeah. So I, I had their honor. I had the TC5 and the R, the R5.2. Yeah. And they were all just a tick off. Mm-hmm. I still have a TC5. If you can see the VTA car behind me. I do. I do see it. <laughs> yeah, that that's my son's TC. My son has more damn cars than I have. <laughs> that's usually the way it works. Well, because, well, my dad gets these big lots from people, and he's like, hey, Joe 3 could use this car, this car. I'm like, no, he can't. What about me? Hey, what about, hey, hey yeah. I need one of those, two yeah. of those. 
Yeah, but you know, it's it's, it's one of those things. It's like, oh, did you see Associated's done with On Road now? Totally. Yes, yes, that is. Uh, when I first heard about it, I'm like, you got to be kidding me! And then I got confirmation that it was legit, legit. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's what happened. <laughs> that's how they started. It's so weird. Yeah, but TLR did it years ago. TLR never started with On Road. No, true, but they they left the the On Road. So I don't know if TLR was. I only don't follow in, On Road enough to know if it was good or bad. TLR was only in the On Road game for ten years. But I heard it was good when they were. It was good, but. Remember, this come from TLR, folks. Listen, I'm by no stretch of the imagination am I a TLR hater, but I am definitely not a TLR user by any stretch of the imagination. I've barely driven them. Like the street weapon and the triple, the triple XS were all based off the four-wheel drive chassis, the four-wheel right. drive buggy chassis. They never had a 12 scale, which was always a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. And then they... um. Made the JRXS. I had one. That was their last car. It was weird. It wasn't bad, but it was weird. It's like, so the battery ran down the center, and it was a tray that dropped out of the bottom of the chassis. It was strange, and people didn't take to it. I loved it. Yeah, I can see why. I liked it. It was a good car, but it was just weird. I don't even know if it was innovative. I want to say it's almost weird for the sake of weird. Hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. It's a bummer. I mean, I have an associated 12 scale sitting behind me somewhere. I have like, I have too many cars, man. <laughs> I've, thin, I've thinned the herd a lot, but it, it's going to, it's, it's not going to stay that way for long. I know it. Well, see. It's usually the way it works. I'm going to have to end up sell, selling some stuff. I used to race things until they were worn out, and I would literally throw them away. Like, yeah, or have a hard time even giving them away sometimes. Yes. Like, here, take this. And people are like, no, I'm good. Yeah, exactly. That's how far I'd run it down. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I could sell this for 50 bucks and deal with the text messages for two months after, or I could just throw it away now. I'm going to throw it in the trash. Yeah, garbage. I mean, for the I obviously take useful things off of it and whatever. Well, yeah, I hear what you're saying. But now I have so many cars behind me that it's not a possibility. <laughs> it's like I can't run them all to wear them out. So let's see what else do I got here. Um, yeah, I was thinking about signing up with the regional team, associated team myself, because I've there's. Uh, old RC car action article. Pause for one second. Hang on, hang on. Yep, yep. Hang on. Hang on. We're back. Sure, that's how it works. All right, and we're back. <laughs> My bad. Sorry. No, you're good. You're I thought good. They, I thought big things got broken. Apparently not. Yeah. I, I know the feeling. I live in a Rambler, so when um, things fall, it's way, it sounds way worse than I'll, I'll always do. The kitchen is literally right above me. Yep. And the living room's just that way. So it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure you would have heard it. So I was like, hang on a minute. Nah. Yeah. I My apologies. So, um, should we, I mean, I could sit and ask you questions all day, but we're going to run out of time here because. Eventually. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should, should we get 
into some questions here? Sure, absolutely. Uh, Mike Nesbitt, he's old friend of mine, still races. What do you think the biggest change in RC has been, and what do you think could be the next biggest change could be? For example, like when they took away radio crystals, that type of thing. Okay. Oh, uh, I'm not very good about thinking about innovation, but I'm going to say we're going to see it before long where you're going to be able to whip your phone out of your pocket and use it to drive your car. You're not going to need a radio. You're you're seeing it starting to already happen with Spectrum and stuff like that. It's going to be different. I don't know how well it'll ever work. It might be only limited to small space, but... I don't know. I could see something like that happening, maybe with smaller cars, maybe not so much 10-scale or 8-scale. But Speaking of Spectrum, have you ever been on the driver's stand and one of those guys with the Spectrum radio or is playing music like an a-hole? Um, yeah. It sucks. Well, as long as it's decent music, I don't mind, and that's usually the conversation. I'm bad for I usually bring a headphone up, so yep. if that's the per- – I make sure they're to my right because nice. I don't hear well, and that's the headphone that that's where the earphone goes. I got you. Honestly, I think I could see possibly wireless motors. Oh, yeah. Or wireless sensor boards, at least. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I never know. Like, the. I never. Back in, like, 2003, I never thought the brushless and lipo thing would take off. True. Like an old friend of mine from back in the day is like, hey, remember back when we were racing at the track and I was just a little kid and I had that lipo blow up in my pit and it almost injured a lot of us? It's like, yeah, I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. So, yeah, and for that reason, I never thought they would take off. Um, This Okay, next one's from Jeremiah Bacon Salberg. I race a team-associated B4.2, and it's fun looking at getting a four-wheel drive buggy. I found a B44.2 for 100 bucks. Would a B44.2 be a good buggy to get into four-wheel racing? You know what's really funny about this question? I, I got a funny deal, too, that happened yesterday, but you go ahead first. Okay, well, so... uh Jeremiah sends me messages all the time and asks me, you know, all kinds of questions. I don't mind answering them. So, I, yeah. you know, I do my best. Um, and he actually asked me about this buggy before he even posted the question. Sent me some photos of it and I told him to pick it up. It has the Avid adjustable weight bias uh, chassis, aluminum yes. chassis for it already. Yes. It's it's worth $100 all day long. Yes. It's, it'll be still a great off-road, like outdoor off-road four-wheel drive buggy. It'll be fine. I'd put RPM arm, arms on it and full send that mother effer. So yesterday, my dad, he wanted to race yesterday, but he doesn't have anything set up for clay. Right. So he's got the B44.2 with that Avid chassis. He had to dig out his standard wrenches and all that crap. (laughs) What a pain. Yeah, they are a pain for that. It is. If you already have a 4.2, you're using SAE anyway. Oh, that's true. I will say this. Anybody that complains about having to have an extra set of wrenches is just being a bitch. Right, right. Stop it. I was so disappointed. Oh, I have to have two sets of wrenches. Wah. Oh, no, you have to carry like four more. <gasps> <laughs> Sorry. That's oh, one that's of, was one of my biggest gripes for the longest time. Oh, my God. Who cares? I still have SAE wrenches usually with me. 
so my yeah, but my dad went out there yesterday with a B forty four point two, yeah, <laughs> with the Avid chassis and ran thirteen point five wheeler, and yep. he crushed them. Yep. And I'm like, no way that car is that good. So at the end of the race day, I'm like, I got to drive this thing. The thing drove beautifully. <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting there thinking back in the day, um, 13.5 wheeler wasn't a thing. No. Because modified, it got a little edgy. It always got yes. a little edgy. It was absolute handful. Even the three three point three was like that. Yeah. Uh, I had the point two four. Uh, that's one of the last cars I threw away. I literally drove the <laughs> wheels off of it. And I wore it out. And then, um, but no, I drove it and it was, drove awesome. I'd say drive it, put a 13.5 in it. Go for it. You're gonna, that's what I said. I told gonna, them to get it. Yeah, you're going to waste $100 in a lot stupider ways in RC in your life. Yeah, and, the, and it'll still be plenty fun. Like I, I remember, I got the four four three, and Mike got a four four point two, and yeah, you know, he, they weren't that big of a difference. Just no. the four four point three was new. Yeah, for sure. So, um, wasn't the four four three um, the what's his face? He won the world championship. I don't remember. Steve something edition. Me, uh, I don't. Mine never had a something edition to it. No, it was. I got a little. It, oh, I know what you're saying there. Like, it was because of the... Mm, yeah. Maybe? It was because he won the Worlds with it. It's possible. I don't remember. Neither do I. All right. Will I like the car. Yeah, it was a good car, for sure. Mm -hmm. Just uh, stock up on diff cases and A-arms. Or Funny RP. enough, I didn't break diff cases, but I broke the crap. Well, no, I put RPM arms on it. So I broke rear arms more than anything because well, they were the only... Yep. See, a lot of the things, though, like, the diff cases would break, but you wouldn't know because it wouldn't, like, break in a part failure. Like, you'd be taking things apart, and you'd notice your And case. notice it was broken? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Let's see here. Um, Will Shell, how great are MKS servos and max amps? Ah, oh, Will, you're such a nerd. No, I, I know. Love you, buddy. MKS servos are great. And I had a friend running them in A scale. The only reason he quit running them was the screw size that goes down. Yes, the... what a pain in the butt that's been. Yeah, is a two point five millimeter or something? Something like that. It's a really oddball size. It's way better now than it actually was back when I first started running them. Yep. Because like, good luck finding an actual metric screw for them. They were pretty much all like, like, you know, sixteen, like small. Yep. Standard screw, right? Okay. Um. But now they're they're better. I believe the new uh, the the X the HBL five fifty. Yep. Both the the standard and the low pro, I believe, use a way more standard okay. uh, like metric pitch like screw. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure. Now Max amps and oh wow, there I made something split there for a second. I don't know what happened. Well, we'll figure uh -huh. that out. I accidentally <laughs> touched my screen again. Oh, yeah, you forgot you got touch screen. Oops. I didn't know I had touch screen until I accidentally flicked something off. And, like, when <laughs> I had this thing for, like, a month before I knew it had touch screen. Um, so, sounds like to me somebody failed when they sold you that thing. I bought it off Amazon. 
Okay, fair enough. Amazon still failed. It should have been yeah. somewhere in the description. Touchscreen. I but... was looking for a specific processor. Oh, okay. And that's all I, I was cared about processor and hard drive. So yeah, um the good old program. Mm-hmm. Gotta love see, those problems. I need to be sold on Max Amps, and the reason for that being is they are more expensive for sure. Yes. But they best way to say this is they don't have anybody racing it like the IIC in 12 scale stock winning with them. Oh, they don't have anybody. You. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they don't have that big race team out there beating Trinity, beating Reedy, beating R1, that type of thing. Cause that's see, I've had this conversation before and it's really, that's not what max amps big thing is. Okay. You know what I mean? Like they don't run a race program similar to Trinity and yeah. and everywhere else. Right. So that's why you don't see them as heavily in those classes because for the most part, if you're running them, you bought them. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, I like using them because I need something that is always going to work. I don't want to rely on a more uh, an, an expensive battery that has, you know, dozens of great packs and then a couple that fall through the cracks now i understand that some people have problem with max amps but this is one thing that i found joe usually when you hear of a bad max amps experience right that particular owner didn't buy them brand new from max amps they bought them used off ebay okay or they got them from a buddy of a buddy and you know what i mean so you, you never get the whole story and i've also known people to get good max amps packs and do something funky with them oh. and mess them up too. Yeah. But they never mention the fact that they were given to them for free. You know what I mean? You never hear the great stories of the batteries. This is what I can tell you. My experience. Yep. I haven't had a pack that's puffed on me. I haven't had a pack that's balanced in a pro it like incorrectly on me or been weird or way off. I storage charge them and leave them for usually sometime months on end. There's been times where I've left them fully charged sitting in the lipo bag yeah. for months on end. So, and these batteries are still great. Here's, I don't here's, know. Here's a quick question because everybody has a different answer on this. What do you set your storage at? Um, I'm pretty sure mine is set at like three point. I'd have to look at my charger to be honest with you, but I think it's like three six or three five. Okay. I leave them fairly like I don't like. Even cutoffs, for instance, like when I can program my cutoff, mine's yep. usually like three five, three six a cell. I don't. I know some guys will run them way down. I I won't. I don't run to cutoff anyways. So. Neither do I. Very rarely, actually, I shouldn't say it. In the summer outside, yeah, at that track, we'll run to LVC. Oh, nice. Okay. Because we're just out there having a good time, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Um, I was I. You know, I just got two re- two of the new Reedy packs yesterday, and I loved them. But, again, though, I take care of things properly like you do. I don't do anything weird with my batteries. Like, I, ne- I never signed up for that stock racing, like, big discharge high. I don't do there, that. Right there. So what you're doing with that discharge bank, that big discharge bank, is like, it screws with the batteries. I don't know. Listen, I get the competitive advantage of it. Like, I understand the process and what it does. Yep. But I just, I can't, I'm sorry. If I need to do that to have fun, that's too much work. It is a bit much. become too much. I'm sorry. I bought a Donathan warming bag. Yeah. So I discharge it, 
at 10 amps. Right. Down to, I discharge them low down to, uh, well, no, I want to say about 3.5 a cell. That's not that bad. Some guys go down to 3.2, 3.3. Three, three. Yeah, I don't think I go that far. I go I far won't. enough. And then I bring them back up at 40 amps, but people get things a little mixed up. When you're discharging at a super high amperage and you're using a discharge bank to do it, you're definitely shortening the life of your battery. Bringing it up at 40 amps doesn't really hurt any. The performance difference between... There's no performance difference between 25 and 40 amps. There Mm -hmm. is none. It's just a time saver. But you could charge at 25 amps. If you go too low, let's say you charge at the C rating, well, now you're building internal resistance in your pack. And that's going to shorten the life of your battery right there. Have you ever had a battery with super high internal resistance? And let's say you... check. (laughs) <laughs> but sorry no, that's fine. <laughs> people are cringing right now probably here i don't check i don't care no i really because to me i get it i get it it's it's for that i don't i just want to go and have fun man yeah no i get it but the, but the reason why i ask is because if you get a battery with super high internal resistance and let's say you set your charger at like 12 amps Right. It'll never get up to that 12 amps and it'll take forever to charge. Mm -hmm. There's a functionality purpose to it, too. Yeah, I hear you. See, and that's, I always charge at usually 10 to 12 amps balance. Okay. That's it. Have you ever tried hitting it at 25? I don't have a charger that goes that high. I thought the Gropner did. I don't have a Gropner yet. Oh, I've been trigger. I've been trigger shy and pulling the pulling it on it. I use an old Protec uh, Duo dual port. It'll do twelve amps. Twelve amps aside. Okay. I can't combine them to do twenty four or any. But I was just I mean? gonna so, ask, can you combine them? No. Because <laughs> it's, it's dude. It's an old charger. It works. It does. It does the job for for what I do. And you know, like I said, I get it. And I'm gonna get to that point where I'm gonna order a charger and I'm gonna start actually knowing the internal resistance of my batteries and start being offended probably by the numbers I see. But at the moment, they balance out good. They yep. don't take very long to charge usually. So to me, suggests that they're still good. That matters too because, um, like I was saying earlier, I got Joey's trail truck rolling, and it's a super old Reedy Wolf pack that I used for my spec RC10 class back in the day. Right. And that thing, man, it took forever to balance. <laughs> that thing's on its way out. I almost don't want to leave, like... I'm leaving a charge for tomorrow morning so he can play with his buddies before school. Yeah. I kind of don't want to, if that makes sense. <laughs> I know. I hear you. I, I got a couple of batteries that I still have that are kind of like that. They're the, you know, I will literally sit there and look at them and watch as they charge. And if I'm looking at something, yep, they are right still there in peripheral vision. <laughs> like they don't... <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. But I can't. I can't take myself to discharge them because they still behave. Yep. They still balance. You know. But they're old, and that's the only thing that makes me nervous is that they're old. So, do you have a place like in Canada to bring your batteries to recycle? Uh yeah, we have. 
have like a hazardous waste like disposal facility then they can handle lipos lion like all that okay. stuff so yeah cool. so i bring mine to the local batteries plus okay uh, yeah we have places like that i probably take some too yeah you should see the look on their face when you hand them a lipo that is almost a ball be like your problem now yeah. <laughs> I I've had one to where it's like, yeah, it's getting a little puffy. I'm going to bring this in. And then I'm bringing it and I'm like, is that puffing more? Oh, for <laughs> sure. And I get there and it's literally went from a little puffy to a ball. I'm like, your problem now, see ya. Yeah. Here you go. Cuz in Minnesota what we have is um so, like, places like oil change places and battery places and all that stuff, they don't have to pay a toxic waste tax. Okay. But they have to accept the public's used oil or batteries or whatever they deal in for free. For free. Yeah. So I literally just bring the stuff in and dip out. Yeah, it's not bad. I like that. Well, ours is at the dump. Okay. Like at the public, like at the city dump. So when yeah. you go there, there's another spot that you go for like uh hazardous, no, household waste is what they call it. So like if you have used motor oil, if you have used this, use that, batteries, that kind of. All know. right. Have you uh, shot a lipo yet? Yep. It's disappointing. It, you know what's funny for me? I knew exactly what to expect for my chum who shot it. He had no idea. Yeah. He was giggling the entire time because... The way he had ended up piercing it had just kind of caught the the edges of the bags. Yep. So there was four bags in total. Well, three of them went off that he caught, but the fourth one he didn't hit with the bullet. Yep. So the heat from the other three going off is what caught it, but it caught after the other three were pretty much done. Oh. So he's like, oh, it's all done now. I'm like, nope. Mm, just give it a minute. Sometimes they go, and then sure enough, <laughs> start going off. He goes, that's cool. Can we shoot more of them? I'm like, they're all out there. Have at her, man. Yeah. We right. disposed of a few batteries that day. Yep. We yep. take the garbage with us. I don't leave it where we shot it. Don't, yeah. don't give me any trouble. Right. I'm not right. that ignorant. Right. Um, Pete Phillips, please talk about your local club in the tennis court track. I love the idea of running <laughs> off-road cars on a paved surface. I mean, how different is it really from chemically treated dirt tracks? Um, we talked about a little bit. It's it's loose. It's 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 more like old school racing. So like the rear motor buggies, yeah, are are like they are they're fast. Yeah, they make life a little miserable. Really, I won't lie. Yes, especially with the newer mid motor cars. Now the B six ones are plenty. Of, don't you, dude? My DTM yep. with the few mods that I have on it to make it better. It was a great car. And I just found out actually, as I was taking the electronics out of this past weekend, the front bulkhead was broken on it <laughs> for how long. I don't know, <laughs> but I know it happened out there for sure. But the yep. car was fun to drive on it. Right. Uh, but again, it was a DTM. It was more meant to be a dirt car than a carpet car. So yeah. um, we noticed that out there, but other than that, it's a blast. It's, it's just a blast. Sounds fun. Um, so the place I was telling you where we race AstroTurf, mm -hmm. it's an hour and a half away from me, but it's fun, so we go, and it's at a yeah. city park similar. And what we do is we set up the AstroTurf in a hockey rink. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, But there's tennis courts up there, so we've driven cars and stuff in there. It's pretty fun. 
but we yeah, up... it, we got lucky. They took the poles out. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no dodged poles where we race, which is really good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, my son and I usually end up playing pickleball instead. <laughs> That's a stoner game right there. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> it's fun. Um, let's see. Aiden Burke from the Extra Lap. Have you heard Aiden's podcast yet? I've heard of it. I have not heard it yet. Don't worry. I have a list of shows that I need to download because so that way I have a variety. Yeah, Sound quality is they do it over phones. So yeah. it is what it is, but um, they have world champions on there. Um, I am good with it. Is it, The quality doesn't have to be great if the content's there either. Right. Correct. I, I, that's why I needed to make sure I had good quality because I was worried I was not going to be able to provide any content worth listening to whatsoever. Yeah. So my hope and goal was that it sounded so good that they just left it on. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but. I, I like listen like they race in the rain over there in the UK. I want to get some of their rain setups and stuff like that. Uh, we've done that. Marty and I did that last year when we were running at the outdoor track. It started raining. Yeah, it was fun. It sounds like it would be. So Aiden goes, "Are you replacing Ryan? As he is my favorite. Is there sp- is there a space for an Aiden and Ryan show?" Well, I'm not replacing them. It's just this week. I'm not taking on a third. There is no, no. Listen, I already had to tell Tim, dude. We need to, we need to offset our recording schedules because, like, I love doing both shows, but I can't do both in one week. Like, yeah. it's insane. Um, I used to do two a week, and that was too much. Uh huh. I used to I mean. do Savage Thoughts and this burns you out quick. It does. But it also exercises you a little bit and teaches you how to talk more and make more conversation and whatnot. Yes, absolutely. But you know what? If I made a dollar off this show, Ryan would get 49 cents. He's that much <laughs> He's that much of a part of it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I don't ever want to, like, the goal was never to do anything with it other than have fun. So everything ends up being a bonus. Right. I'm... I'm kind of looking for sponsorship, but I don't want them to be like, you can't talk about this, but you can talk about that. Yes, thank goodness I've never had anybody do that. To, oh, my. They, that'd be the end of it. We thanks, had, but no thanks. So with um, Savage Thoughts, we have, we have, or they still have, I'm not part of it anymore. They have Midland Armory and um, A&P Laser Engraving. But we were approached with other people, and they're like, could you guys not swear so much? Could you guys not talk about urban decay and what's really going on in the world? It's like, no. (laughs) This is what we do. Why are you asking to advertise on our show if you don't like our show? It's like, have you heard it? Yeah, right? (laughs) You're asking us to change absolutely everything. Yeah, let me get right on that. No problem. Hey, listen, you know what? Um, yeah. It happens. Even non-places that don't want to spend money will sometimes try and tell you what you should do with it. And I always do the kindly, listen, you're more than welcome to go buy equipment. You're more than welcome to go pay for a subscription. You're more than welcome to spend countless amount of your time providing content for people. Yeah. Um, and then you can do it your way. Just like how I'm going to do it my way. Right. And I try and say that in the most respectful way. It's not that I'm 
ignorant about it. I just, this is my fun. This is what I'm investing my time and money into. And Jesus. Yeah. I've got, you know, I know a lot of you guys see sometimes the things that go on and like, Oh, it must be nice to have all the amount of, you guys don't understand. This is working out to like five cents per hour. Yeah. About. Okay. You know, like, it ain't fruitful whatsoever. It costs way more. Thank goodness. Like I said, thank goodness for these. Because if it weren't for that, it'd be like, here's the podcast, but I'm not doing anything in RC. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's. Do you get the guys that PM you after the show? Hey, you got this little minor thing wrong. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they ask, well, are you going to change it? <laughs> no. Yeah, no. That's why I usually try and um, I'm not the smartest person. I may, I'll be honest when I don't do any research on it at all. This is just my opinion. Let's be honest. It's, it's, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I usually, be honest with you, Joe, half the time now, I don't, I used to feel like I had to give people an answer. Right. Now sometimes I just don't answer. Now I just say everything's a rumor until confirmed otherwise. I said like give that, it two weeks. That team associated thing, I knew about it a couple weeks before I said it on the podcast. And it yeah. still hasn't been picked up by like live RC or red RC or none of that stuff. Which is kind of weird, right? It's a end of a massive era. I, I listen. One thing I do have to mention, hmm. I know we're working through questions and stuff. Yeah. I you have a hell of a following. Do I? Because as soon as you put that post up, you must. Because as soon as you put that post up that I was coming on this show and shared, dude, the friend requests that I'm getting that are RC related right Sorry. now is off the chain. Sorry. Like, I think I've asked it. I don't <laughs> mind. I don't mind at all. Dude, I've a- I've added like 25 people out of 30 that have requested. Dang. Because C- I check everybody. Yeah, like, you have if, to. And just for anybody listening to this show, you get my life on Facebook. Yeah. Everything I do is on Facebook. I'm the kind of person that if I'm going to do it, I'm doing it. Yeah. I know I said earlier that I wouldn't do it if it weren't for the podcast, but that's true. If it weren't for me podcasting, I wouldn't share anything on Facebook like I do. Right. But I I don't. I also look at it as fans. I look at it as friends. Correct. So that's why I feel like I can share everything with them. You know, right. if I went and did something with my wife or with my kids or this. So be warned. If that's not what you're looking for, I have, you know, Facebook groups that I'm part of that are just dedicated to RC. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> have, have you, yeah, your MBM nation group is a great one. Yeah, which used to be Yokohomi nation. Yep. Um, and I, I realized that a lot of people were, you know, steer clear of it because they didn't have Yokomo cars. Right. And it was, it was never meant, it was meant more of like a, a joke. Yeah. You know, you're just going to be my homies. And I put Yoki homies before it because yeah. while well, I was running Yokomo at the time. So I, I changed it. It's the MBMRC Nation now, and basically it's just post whatever you're doing. I don't care what it is. It can be crawling. It can be racing. For all I care, it could be literally you bought a Walmart RC, and it's your first one. You're ha- I'm cool with it. I just I want a positive place. That's all I ask for. You know what I started doing with friend requests? If Okay, like I don't do this with normal people, but I do that with these shitty Chinese distributor guys who are always trying to be your friend. Yeah, you got to watch for that because there's lots of them. So I PM them a request for $20 for an unsolicited friend request. Did Have they paid you yet? Not yet. Oh, damn. Well, I, I have, say maybe you're on to something here. I have a single friend that's an attractive woman that she gets these creeps in her DMs constantly. 
So she started. My wife gets them. We actually, really? I want to start a whole like YouTube segment of just posting Whoa. the inappropriate things we'll send to my wife. And my wife has a fairly like locked down profile. Yeah. No, that's not cool at all. But hers is out of control. So she started <laughs> sending a request $20 for dropping into my DMs or I make it public. Oh, I like that. Yeah, she's she's been getting paid. Cause a lot almost of guys, sounds a little risque, like almost blackmail-ish, but I love it. <laughs> a lot of the guys have been getting paid or are paying because they're married. Drop it into her DMs. I don't I don't understand that. Am I like like sometimes I wonder if maybe I'm broken as a man because I don't find any reason to message a woman that's not my wife? It had to have worked once. It must have for somebody. Just, or or no do you think maybe okay so now we're here this is where the mbm podcast goes way off of our c subjects all the time yeah but maybe it's bigger than that maybe it's not so much the fact that somebody actually got away with it but maybe a dude told his buddies that hey bros i did this and i totally got blank <laughs> and now a bunch of dum-dums like you know us guys are because you know hey so-and-so said it works so right maybe yeah. that's it maybe it never's worked it could be but I, at the I same time, I I know there's girls that are like most guys that, you know, have that perverted mind and will do anything like. So right. it probably worked somewhere at some point. So maybe you're right. Yeah, it could have. I don't know. See, I talked myself out of my point already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. But yeah, you got to if my wife ever. Oh, man, I I couldn't. I don't worry about it. I don't worry about her. I just would get pissed if. Oh, man, I, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> I, I have had to send messages from her Facebook Messenger to people and say, stop that. Yeah. With a picture of me kind of giving that look of disappointment of kind of like, dude, really? They're not. Are they? Be, be glad I'm. So uh, it's usually like a be glad I'm a gentleman and stop being a nerd. Yeah. Are they RC people? Uh, There's been a couple. Oh, that's the worst. There's been a few that make inappropriate comments about my wife at races, too. And you just kind of look at them and you're like, toy cars, toy cars. And I guess I'll consider it flattering that you find my wife attractive. However, she's my wife. Don't forget that. Yeah. And I will prove my point if you encourage it any further. You guys have been married since, like, high school, haven't you? We've been together since, like, I was basically turning 16 when her and I started dating. Or no, I was, maybe it was 16. It's been forever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating when people try to get in the middle of things. Well, it's not that. It's not frustrating. It just makes you wonder, like, how were people raised? You know, I was raised that, you know, my parents got divorced. Yeah. My dad was a chronic cheater. Okay. But I still grew up with the idea of that that's once you pick that person and whether you get married or you don't get married, you're kind of giving them your commitment to them. So I don't know. I kind of take it pretty serious. Like I do anything else I do. I, yeah. I, I don't, my, my parents have been married almost 40 years. So they got married. I, my dad got, I, I want to <laughs> say I was a shot. It had to, had to have been a shotgun wedding. Cause my mom oh. was 18 and my dad was 19, but my dad got her pregnant when she was 17 and he was 18. My wife and I were that thing. We literally missed being a teenage statistic by like a month. Oh, really? I turned I turned twenty years old, and my my oldest daughter, who's now fifteen, yep, was born the next month. Dang, yeah. Yeah. So we we just we just dodged that bullet by by a long by a little bit, and then 
you know, of course, whenever that happens, you know, you don't have to marry her. That was, you know, everybody yeah. saying that and everybody was saying the same. You don't have to marry him because he had his. It's like, no, no, no. We kind of were talking about doing this marrying thing before we found out she got pregnant anyway. Right. So it's not like it was uh, just a whim of the, the whim. But, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I get it because you're young. I, I like, listen, I'm basically four years away from my daughter being the age that I was becoming a parent. Ooh, that's I scary. get it. Right. But right. So now putting things in perspective. Yep. I totally can understand why my parents and why, you know, her parents and stuff would have been trying to dissuade us from it because it feels like that we weren't ready for it. Yeah, I, I get it. You know what I mean? So. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm a young father. I'm only 35, folks. Yeah. For those of you that don't know. And yes, I have a 15 year old, but she's pretty awesome. So I'm 37 and my oldest is 10. My youngest is 12. Are you by far the youngest parents when you go like conferences and crap like that for your kids? Yes. Usually, usually not. We find like there are a few parents that are in our, our age category. Um, some of which I went to school with, uh, that are doing, you know, moderately. Okay. You know, like I say we do moderately. Okay. I'm not saying we do amazing. I feel like, you know, I'm always, I always think I have room for improvement. Like I always say, give 110%, but I always go home feeling like I had 120 in me and I just pushed out. Right. Right. That, that make any sense? So, you know what I mean? So I say we're moderate, we do moderately well. So there's a few. And then I, you know, I, I feel terrible seeing people that don't do near as well. And I wonder how like we make it happen for our kids. How they can't. I know. See, my dad's, School sucks for that reason. I hate I hate that my kids have to go to school and I have to see that. I feel terrible. I know. My dad's 59 years old. My mom's 57. And there are people, parents, that have the same age kids as I do that are that age. Yep. Dude, Dude you ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> so my 15-year-old, when she starts in kindergarten. Yep. Like, so... In Canada, we have junior kindergarten, senior kindergarten, and then grade one, which is okay. basically four, five, and six. Yeah. Like that those age, that age group. Yeah. So when my daughter's four, so we're going back 11 years, we walk into parent-teacher night, you know, meet your, te- your kid's teacher thing. Mm-hmm. I walk into the room, and literally there is standing my grade 10 math teacher with his wife, who is as well a teacher in yeah. high school. Yeah. She never taught me. And he goes, Housing. What are you doing here? I'm like, what's up, Mr. Z? And he goes, you're still not answering my question. What are you here? I'm like, well, that's my daughter. Yeah. He goes, oh, no. Now, here's the best part. I remember in high school when his oldest daughter was born. Yep. You know, so at this point, she's in like grade four or five or something like that or three or four. Okay. She's only a few years ahead of So, right, it's kind of really weird. And he goes, man, I'm getting old. I'm like, no, no, it's okay. I just started really young. You're okay. You're good. Like, you know, I had to re-encourage my, 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 one of my old teachers. And you're not getting old. I just started things way sooner than most people do. It's all yeah. good. <laughs> my uh, jiu-jitsu coach and kickboxing coach and whatever, the head coach of the gym, he's 47 with kids my age, or not my age, with kids that are my kids' age. Right. He's 10 years older than me, but. His wife is my age, so it's like, I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my wife's older than I am, so that's kind of always the funny thing. Ah, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, 
Let's finish off questions here. Sure. Shit. Yeah. Sorry. So no, it's I get lost talking and it's, it's like good. A, it's um. Hey man, we I know it all too well. Yeah. You look at the time. We've been going for a little over Shh, two hours. Oh. <laughs> um. Let's see here. Jeff Choban. We're not going to hit all of this, but some okay. of it because there's a lot. Thoughts on news from Yokomo, new CEO, updating cars, new indoor track, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the deal with Yokomo, they were basically like Kyosho. They were bought by investors. I don't know if they were bought by a bank like Kyosho was, but Yokomo is such a huge part of actual Japanese heritage. They were bought. Uh-huh, it's yeah, they were bought by, by like somebody. a group. Yeah, so to save them. And and then um, what was his name there? He left. Masami. Masami left because because I think he thought he was gonna be able to write the ship or be the the one tapped to write the ship, and he didn't get the tap. I want to say, do you think that's what I think he was um, let go, kind of like uh, Pavitas was with AKA? Well, that's possible. Maybe they they felt that he wasn't you know given what he should be, or I don't know. I'm waiting, dude. For... I I re-listened to our episode with Mark. Yep. And it was it was such a bittersweet episode because he... you don't even want to know why. Oh, I got to tell you now. So literally, locally here, uh, one of the co-hosts on Morning Radio is leaving. Okay. So they have an opening. Yep. I was looking into it. It's half of what I make right now. So I immediately went full stop. I was not even bothering. Right. But I was listening back to old show, old shows to pull air checks. Okay. So the Pavita show I listened to because I knew it was a good show and we got a lot of listens and it had a lot of positive feedback. Uh-huh. And it was so bittersweet to listen to it, man. Like to know that he's not there anymore. And uh, You don't want getting to terrestrial, terrestrial radio. I just kind of. I know, but at the same time, I love radio, dude. And I've been saying to my wife even before I started podcasting, I would love to do radio. And you and I both know morning radio. That's where you want to be. You don't want to be doing afternoons or evenings. That's the shitty part. So can I let you in on a, little, a couple things? Oh, yeah, I'm listening. Because <laughs> I did a little bit of morning. Not, I mean, I was on morning radio shows a couple of times because of Savage right, right. Thoughts and whatnot. Yeah. You wouldn't believe the things that seem off the cuff that are prep burger. Oh, that are produced? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I can totally believe that. A hundred percent. The prep burger stuff, and it's just... So you take that away, you have to stop for the commercial breaks and all that. It's a little mm-hmm. frustrating, but... If it's a independently owned radio station, it wouldn't be bad. But if it's like a iHeart Media conglomerate or a Westwood One or one yeah, of those... Yeah, it's a do- Rogers Communications. It's a big... Yeah, so you're going to be doing what they're doing <laughs> in other parts of Canada that doesn't reach to where you're at. No, this is the weird part. It is literally a local Sault Ste. Marie-centric morning show. Okay, that's cool then. Which is to- it, yeah, like I said, it wouldn't have been bad. Um, a local RC guy that got into it because his son loves it. Yep. He's actually works for the sister country station as one of their DJs. Gotcha. So like he was super encouraging with it. But like I said, I can't take a half of. No. <laughs> I would love to. But then I would have to stop doing everything other than going to work. That's, that's terrible. Not, nah, that's not happening. Yeah. I'm good. So that's your base pay, though. 
Yeah, it wasn't. No, no, no. The the pay structure there basically said this job doesn't exceed this this level, and that level is still a quarter under my yearly income now. So see, like some of my friends that do radio, it's like they literally make like nine dollars an hour. Yeah, it would be more than that. It would be closer to twenty. But but, yeah, sorry. So, but then they get contingencies from all the sponsorship they bring in. Depending on, yeah, yeah. See, and I don't think there's any of that there. So it turns into real money. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. Way more sense. Um, Let's see. Jeff goes, is on-road racing going back to gray carpet? Now that looks bomb. Have you seen the gray European carpet that they're running at 360V2 this weekend? Is that more like the original CRC formula? Like the original like CRC gray carpet? I've Is heard different like things. That? I've heard different things. I've heard it's like an in-between. But the biggest thing is for 12, for anything, you don't have to glue the front tires anymore. That might sound like, oh, big deal, you're gluing the front tires. But if you get the smallest chip in your glue bead, it'll wreck your race. It really will. That glue bead has to be thick and solid all the way around. And really? smooth. Good so, luck. Um, that would require everybody <laughs> spending several thousand dollars on carpet, but I hope it happens. I would come back to 12-scale racing. I was tired of doing tire prep. Yeah, I've heard a lot of like how fun 12-scale is, but how tedious and how much work it is. Hold on. Is my 12-scale on the camera oh my goodness see those tires where's the rest of them some people would consider that big really yeah 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 i can't feel the rim when i scratch it so i could probably take another couple tenths a millimeter (laughs) off it's oh my yeah it's you you take 48 millimeter tires and you cut them down to like 39 7 um, let's see what else. Oh, what are your general thoughts on all the new cars every year? It seems especially prominent and on-road. Well, you got to make decisions for yourself. Is that because I believe he runs the Russian Osmatics? Is that mm-hmm. couple of little? They they do little changes. So is that little change worth a seven hundred dollar kit? Or can you make those changes to your current car? Yeah, that too. Like the (laughs) X-ray is always updatable, usually. Yeah, like I know I have a 2016 on-road car that, you know, will be finding a new home. But from my understanding, I can make it pretty much what a 2018 was. Depends on how much money I want to spend. I want to say almost to a 2019. The 2020 is a different deal. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like I, I, I'm okay with that. Like I'm, I'm. What I do like to see is a manufacturer keep the same base, like chassis and base gear, so you can upgrade to the newer one without fully going on buying a new kit. Right. Um, but I I don't mind. It has to happen. I'm sorry. I know people think it's ridiculous, but it has to happen. Yeah. These manufacturers have to do this in order to keep the industry rolling forward. And that also creates an ability for people to get in on a year or two old chassis mm-hmm. for much cheaper than the new chassis, oh, sure. but be able to spend a relatively, um, you know, not a lot of money, but a bit of money to be just as competitive as buying the new kit. Uh-huh. 
but you had to be savvy enough to do it. And and I think that's also what different. I think we're too trying to um, satisfy the absolutely new beginner too often yep. lately versus encouraging the fact that this is a hobby that you have to learn. You have to get experience in that. You're not going to know everything overnight. And I know how that can be difficult, but I think we worry way too much about the, listen, it's an expensive hobby. It's not it cheap. Is. That's the first thing I lead off with, with anybody asking me how much is this going to cost? And I laugh. I said, well, it depends on if you really want to do it or if you just want to have fun once in a while. Right. Want to have more fun once in a while, then you're buying an RTR, you're spending seven, $700-ish dollars, and you're good to go with everything. Yep. Or if you really want to do it, you're in thousands. Right, right. Sorry. And some people run away from me when I start with that, but I'm, but I'm not going to lie. Or do you get the people, I don't lie, I just tell them to buy a Traxxas Slash and go from there because I know where it goes from there. <laughs> yeah, well, but at the same time, though, if, if they go that route and they can't, it doesn't fall into a category where they can get in, they might fall out of it. Yeah, that's so true. So that's why, that's why I never, I, ne I tell them, this, these are the cars that I run. Yeah. You don't have to go this route. There are other manufacturers. I encourage lots of research. Go home and look up and ask me more questions. Yep. I've also seen it before where people go in, they buy the best of the best immediately and they realize that doesn't make them a good racer, and they fall out that way. Yes, that way too. And that's the other thing. Ty Tessman said it best. We asked him what would be his number one suggestion to anybody first starting in RC, and he said, pick one class and learn it. Yep, he's right about that. And that's why in locally— But that's hard to say to people. Pick one and race it exclusively for a year and get better at it. Yep. Preferably, I suggest two-wheel drive buggy. Build it in a stock form. Don't yep. worry about all the big hop-ups. Build a comfortable car to drive. Race stock and mod with it. You're probably going to get killed in mod, but the track time is what you're after. Once you get clean, you will get fast. That's why locally I miss stock truck. Stock stadium truck was perfect for people to start in. True. That would be another good class. I mean, it, it's similar to stock buggy, but the big tires provide stability. So. And most people are like, why wouldn't you suggest a short course truck? Because they're they're like trying to drive a mailbox. Yeah. They very rarely are very well performing out of the box. You know what I mean? The buggies are f more, more in uh, not intuitive. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just you feel more connected to a buggy than a short course truck. That's my opinion of it. Right. So it's pretty know. much dead around here too. Yeah. So that's the other problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more, and he had more things about local stuff, but we'll cover that next week. Um, Tony Swenson, Twisted Metal Raceway is the MNRC going next year. Not sure, Tony. We're talking about it. It's this track that's literally eight miles away from me. It's a giant A-scale track. Mm -hmm. I, I almost ride my bicycle up to his backyard every day in the summer. Oh, really? Yeah. It's that close to me. And, oh, dude, it's awesome. He's putting clay down. He's talking about us old guys still know how to drive on the sand. He's putting clay down next week, I think he was saying. So it's a possibility. Sorry, I don't mean to get in on local stuff, but people. Oh, ask. no, I love hearing about it because that's that's what makes it more interesting. That's how you find out about what classes are more popular in other areas. You know, if, if you listen exclusively to the NBM podcast, you're going to hear us talk about 10 scale off-road racing to maybe a little bit of the on-road cars that we run but that because I, that's all we do in this area i'm looking at what i'm surrounded by and i'm surrounded by i got a 12 scale i got 
10 scale crap behind me. I got my A scale. I got an A scale in pieces in front of me. We run everything in Minnesota, basically. <laughs> so Sounds like a really bad place for me then. It it can get expensive. That's why. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> so you know how Tessman says pick one class and run it? Yes. I do that with the A scale stuff. I just run my nitro buggy. I put my mini truggy out there, but just to kind of get it going. I love the right, class right. so much. I want it to thrive everywhere. By the way, that race that you did at Heydays. Yep. Okay, I'm I'm gonna try and convince my wife to let me, like, not to let me, but to go to Heydays. We were supposed to go this year, but ch- plans changed. You were supposed to go to Heydays. Yes, we had talked about it last year, and just it didn't work out. She had a new job offer on the table. Things just didn't line up for us to go. Dude, you don't know what you're missing. <clears throat> I know. No, I know what I'm missing. Trust me, because I found out about Heydays two years ago when I right before I bought my new snowmobile. I think this was the fifty third year. Yeah. So, like, I yeah, figure that out. Never yeah. heard about it, but I love snowmobiling like crazy, dude. So the outlaw drag grass drag sleds. They get yeah. up to 145 oh, miles an hour and 500 feet. There's a guy. There's a guy that I bought a belly pan protector from that makes them uh, for my sled because I knew buying a 2019 backcountry like Skidoo yep. 850 that I might have belt problems because I knew that was a potential issue. Now I got one of the good ones. I don't have belt problems. Okay. But before I found that out, I put a belly pan protector in it because I knew when they blow belts, they like to blow out the whole bottom of the belly pan. Yep. And yes, I have warranty, but the less time I have to set it at the sit it in the shop getting fixed in the winter, the better. So I bought one. He bought one of these outlets, the outlaw like asphalt sleds, like it's a Yamaha or something. Yep. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! They're stupid, aren't they? <laughs> oh my god, dude! Ridiculous. So anyway. I love that racing style that you did. I made a suggestion to the local uh, track down in St. Ignis yep. to stop doing if Mark qualifying for, for just make every race a race. Dude, we did that yesterday at the local track at the local. I just clinic. think it's then every race counts. And those guys that are out there killing and driving through people. Yep. Okay. Well, guess what? Now it's a race. You're not going to drive through me because I'm not moving That's for the you. Thing. Dude, the mains are so much cleaner when you have heads up qualifying. Because you're used it. to racing each other then. Yes, because every race was a race. Now, instead of doing the whole, oh, you know, that guy started at the back, but he's in first. And it's like, how did I finish last? I yeah. didn't get past the whole time. Yeah. It's it's silly. I, I don't know. <laughs> but you know what? If you come to Heydays, I will have a nitro buggy for you to race. Oh, I love that idea. That saves me having to build one. It makes it way easier. I'll have a nitro buggy for you to race because I'm the announcer. Oh, okay. And that's my job. So you'll just race whatever I got. All right. I'll bring a check for about like $250 in possible spare parts. Nope. You won't do anything worse than I can do to it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Let's end this one. Let's end that on this one here. So, all right. I am Joe Zer Jr. And with me today was Matthew Housen. And we've ran out of talent.